Okay, I know we were really down on MotoGP last year, but look, this is 2024. It's a new era. Mark Marquez is in blue now. We're all going to figure this out together as a family, right? Dre, why does that bike have a diffuser on it? Welcome back to Motorsport 101. You know, maybe my optimism was somewhat misplaced. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 497. We're going to ignore my small counting of decimal points in last week's set of episodes. It didn't happen, okay? <laughs> Let's just say we're making up for those two episodes that never saw the light of day. It's a counting error. We'll go with that. Uh, if it's good enough for the Cricket World Cup, it's good enough for me. Welcome to episode 497 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and welcome to this next free-headed monster I like to call season preview season. It's that time again. We barely got a break to begin with, and yet we're back talking about the big three we cover here on Motorsport 101. And first up fresh out of a test in sepang over the last 72 hours or so it's moto gp coming up first and we have a lot to break down over the next hour and a half or so um it almost feels like a preview for what could be an even crazier 2025 in a sense you we'll get into more of some of those vibes as we go into in, in the show itself into into detail but um, yeah, it's going to be a wild one. But first, of course, we have our wonderful slate of guests as ever. First up, Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, RJ. How's it going? How's it, how's it popping, everybody? I do, I do miss the, the warmth of Daytona Beach. I really am missing it about this time. Only, only just a little bit more winter to go. That's it. Say that like we aren't going to get murked by a snowstorm on Tuesday. Hey, well, oh, are you kidding me? Seriously? No. Okay, that, 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 that's, that's, I hope not. And of course, as you could probably already tell by now, that's Mr. Cam Buckley. How's it going, Cam? Um, it'd be going better if that bike over there didn't have a blown diffuser on it. You seem to be really insistent about this blown diffuser, aren't you? Why does it have a diffuser, Dre? <laughs> I don't know. It's an arrow thing That's just now. One, one piece of the arrow extravaganza that was the 2024 Sepang test. Yes. Uh, and we'll also be going to sprinkle in a lot of the dialogue and the talk about what happened in Sepang over the course of our full season previews. We go team by team and we'll get into that quite shortly. But um, just to let you know a little bit about, about our upcoming plans, I'm going to let you on in a couple of little secrets here. First and foremost, the next three episodes are going to be all lengthy season previews. I'll also have written accompaniments by yours truly on the Motorsport 101 website, motorsport101.com. Check us out on there. Um, and yes, I will be I will be voicing over all of them as well. I'm not going to have lungs by the time we get to March, but uh, the things I do to sacrifice for this show. Um, but yeah, episodes four, nine, seven, eight, and nine will all be season previews. MotoGP is up first, likely F1 next week, and then IndyCar the week after. We're giving Dale Coyne every possible chance to name their two drivers before the season starts. Sign no Jack promises. Harvey. Sign Jack Harvey. Do it. Do it for the brand. <laughs> Do it for the brand and hope we get the pink version of Jack Harvey back, not the one who was in Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan racing. Um, we speak also, not of it. 
It never happened. Also, I love that in our chat, Jason says, quote, uh, your Patreon pledge will fund Dre's throat transplantation. Thank you very much. I'm glad that it's going to a good cause, I'll have you know. Um, uh, keep, keep sipping that tasty H2O during the voiceovers for that. Indeed. Um, and uh, at the end of that triple head up block, we'll also talk a little bit more about our special 500th episode. Yes, we have been keeping score at home. Episode 500 is due out the first oh week God. of March. Yeah, yeah, five hundred of these. We, we've done nearly five hundred episodes, and uh, I've been here for what about four hundred and fifty of them. Um, it, this is our tenth year of doing Motorsport One Hundred and One, so yes, it's inevitable we'd eventually get to this point. And yeah, more about that in four nine nine. But um, yes, it is coming up real soon. So we have got something special planned for it. We're not going to give it away just yet, but do stay tuned. If you want to follow us in other places, by the way, you can follow us personally on Elon Musk's failed business investment at Dre Harrison 101 at RJ O'Connell and at C Buckley 917 motorsport underscore 101 for the show itself. I promise I'll be tweeting on there a little bit more often here and there because it's more fun that way. You know, I can hide behind a giant purple hey. logo. Hey, um, hey, hey, don't forget as well, like Blue Sky's open now. If it is. Anybody can get on Blue Sky. That's something I might have to consider at a certain point. We'll have to wait and see. I'm already there. I'm already so, there. So if you want to, if you want to come like yell at me for stuff that I don't feel like putting on Twitter, come say hi. Yeah, indeed. Um, I'm on there. You as could, well, you so. could just, you could just skate away, skate to your heart's content over at Blue Sky. Skeet indeed. Um, uh, you can also back us financially on. That was that was a Freudian slip. You can you can back us also financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport one a month. Five bucks gets you early access to all of these episodes before they go live to the public. You can also back us at the ten dollar level um, to get access to listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded as Jason is doing in the chat right now. Thanks, Jason, um, for listening in. Um, also, the podcast is on Instagram as well, where some of our reels go up. You can take little bit of highlights from our shows every once in a while as well we stick the highlights of our shows now this is crazy this is exactly i don't mean to sound like cat williams this is exactly what we've been wanting this whole time Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, massive thanks to my partner in crime, Gloria, for helping out on that front. She's done a fantastic job helping out um, on that one. Uh, love you, Gloria. Much appreciated. And she's been helping us out with that. And she's done a tremendous job with that. So you can check us out. They get posted all the time on our Twitter, Instagram pages as well. There might be a TikTok coming soon. If I can get a full-time job and buy some equipment, there might be a TikTok coming soon. Just throwing that out there. If, don't look for M101 podcast on TikTok. No. No, there's, there's not an account there waiting for you or anything. <clears throat> anyway, um, all that, in, uh, uh, to, to put that to the back burner for one minute, let's get into, right after this, our 2024 MotoGP Blend Diffuser. Sorry, season preview, season preview.
Um, we've, got to, we've got to clean up a couple of things first and foremost from a technical standpoint first. Um, so yeah. there's a couple there's a couple of big changes to talk about going into this season. The big one being that, as you may have forgotten from last November when it was initially announced, because it came out the day after the season finished, which was kind of weird timing, but here we are. Um, they've changed the concession system. Uh, MotoGP's had one now for the, just over the last decade or so, and this was the latest amendment to and I think Cam would agree with me on this one, try to bring the rest of the field back up into play a little bit um, via what teams can and can't do in testing and over the course of a season. I'm not going to explain the full table. If you want to see it, there's a, it'll be on our season preview post on motorsport101.com. But you are ranked according to how how big a percentage of the of the total points you scored in the championship was last season and the smaller the percentage that is between 85 and 35 um, depends on what tier you're in and then how much concessions you're allowed so for example if you're in the A class like Ducati are the only factory that are in the uh, A tier um um, because they've scored more than 85% of the maximum points of last season. I believe it was 96 last year, which is uh, quite dominant. Um, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll compare that to tier D, which is the lowest tier, which is what Honda and Yamaha are in right now, because they scored less than 35% of the total points. So just to give you an idea of the perspective here, Ducati are allowed 170 test tires over the course of the season. They are only allowed to test with their test rider, in Ducati's case. Whoop, whoop, it's a sound of the police, Michele Pirro. Um, they can only test on three circuits over the course of the season. Um, they are not allowed wildcards, so we won't actually see Michele Pirro at a Grand Prix this year unless there's an injury, which makes me very sad, because we do like Michele Pirro around here. And they're only allowed to have a seven or eight engines over the year, and they're only allowed one update. If you want to compare that to, to Honda, for or Yamaha, for example, who are in tier D, they are allowed 260 tires compared to 170. They can have their Grand Prix riders test their bike, which is they're the only tiers that allow this. But so they can actually get their Grand Prix riders on a test bike as opposed to their designated test rider. They could test anywhere on the Grand Prix calendar, not just at a limited range of three tracks. They're allowed six wild cards over the course of the season rather than Ducati Zero. And they're allowed an extra two engines and an aero update over the course of the year. They're allowed two instead of one, and they're allowed nine or ten engines rather than seven or eight. So, as we could tell, we talked about it a little bit more at the end of last year, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but it's generally designed to bring the other factories and help them back into con- into competition and contention rather than clipping Ducati's wings. Is that fair to say, yeah, Cam? Okay. Yeah, because realistically, like if you are only scoring 35 percent of the points on hand, you are pretty down in the dumps. Mm. Um, And really, um, as far as factory teams go, it's been quite rare in modern motorcycle racing to see a factory do that poorly. And then two of them came along at the same time. Both Yamaha and Honda were pretty friggin terrible last year. Yeah. and yeah, I mean, it, it also is kind of tuned to where they feel their biggest deficit is, which is, of course, the advent of aerodynamics. Everyone else is allowed to have one uh, additional aero package upgrade in the year. The uh, tier D manufacturers are allowed to. Um, and as we've kind of learned, as this has sort of played out, we've seen 
actually the 2024 Honda more publicly than Yamaha. They've been openly testing both with Rattle and their uh, official riders. And they've got 22 tests scheduled this year to try and right the ship. Um, so they are certainly, let's say, maxing out the rules in terms of testing to try and get their house in order. And probably for good reason. We'll see how that plays out over the course of the coming years and whether it actually works or not. Um, Honda and Yamaha would both have to score at least 35% of the maximum point total available in order to move up into tier C, which would restrict them to they would lose about 40 of their tires. They would no longer have free to- choice of test rider. They'd be back to three circuits to test that. Um, but they would still get to keep um their wild cards but they would also have to be back on seven or eight engines and they would lose that second aero update that's the, the yeah, i mean i mean in, looking at it Trey, the, the the testing regiment really it drops down quite heavily as you go from d mm. to c and then a b and c are all really more around how much you can test with your tires and your wild cards um it really is aimed at if you are in major struggles and you're down in tier D to get you up into one of those higher tiers as soon as possible. Indeed. It seems like it's more intuitive than the last bit of concessions, the last concession system that we had. I I think the thing with the the previous concessions is that um, they were quite, they were, I I wouldn't say what you're actually allowed was bad, but it was quite rigid as far as timetable where if you, were struggling you would have to wait quite a while to get those concessions uh, actually in your favor in this it's more proactive yes i'd say so um the previous system you'd have you you i think the rule was you had to go more than two years without a dry podium finish in order to be on the the higher class of concessions and that you would get things like two extra engines, an extra liter of fuel to burn in races. Um, so you could be a bit more aggressive with your fuel map settings and things like that, basically. Um, this is a lot more rolling year to year, a lot more proactive and a lot and a lot more um, favorable. So if you're bad, if you have a bad year, you immediately get benefits rather than having to wait two to three years before you truly reap the rewards of being bad i suppose is always a weird and, way and, like, and even then you're like <laughs> you, you have to be pretty bad to then fall in again into that tier d whereas if you're in tier b or c which is where some of our other manufacturers like ktm and aprilia are both um, you get a bit more than tier a but it's not a life changer you get a few more wild cards or wild cards period because in tier a you don't get any um and you get more test tires. That's really that that changes how you operate your existing tests, but it doesn't allow you to do more tests. If right. that makes sense. I mean, so I was just thinking like how crazy it would be in American sports if like you're 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 terrible, like let's say you're a Detroit Pistons, but you don't actually get to reap the rewards of picking early in the draft for like another couple of years. That'd be so crazy. That would be wild. It's like, congrats to 2024 Pistons. You stink. You get the 2027 number one pick. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Reasons to be excited. Um, hey, they're on a winning streak. Yeah, As okay. of time of recording, they are yeah. on a winning streak. They've won two yeah. games in a row. What a, what a fool. We, we're, we're currently in the midst of the trade deadline in the NBA. Just imagine being dropped by the Detroit Pistons. Oof. And they're better off without you. 
Yeah, oh. and you're better off without them. I don't know. Well, it seems Gray. <laughs> hit me with that 2024 MotoGP calendar. Good idea. Let's do that. Now, there has been one big dramatic change, um, and that dramatic change is, as we talked about it a little bit on a couple of earlier shows, Argentina has been cancelled. Hashtag um, cancelled. Yeah, it's it's gone, and it will not be replaced. It's 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 a shame. I'm genuinely gutted about this. Argentina is a great track. I do very much enjoy it. It's a great dust bowl, low grip, very quick sort of place. And I think this produced a lot of um, high highlight moments and um, a lot of highlight real moments for MotoGP in general. So I'm kind of glad that it's gone. Javier Millet, the new um just the new president of our, of the country has been a bit of a butcher to a lot of the country's budgets as the libertarian he claims to be um and he's just taken a lot of money out of sports sponsorships in general including the funding of the grand prix itself so with that in mind it can't facilitate a grand prix to what they claim is to be quote its highest possible standards um there has been rumblings about Kazakhstan and India as as Jason puts in the chat India is fine um, people have spoken to the big name journals like Matt Oxley about this. India is fine. If anything, it's actually getting a bigger budget for this year. So hopefully more marketing and more promotion and hopefully iron out some of the visa issues they had last year as well. well so yeah, as I say, it, could, it could only be it could only be an improvement from last year where we had the extensive visa issues to the point where some riders didn't know if they were going to actually be in the country for the race. But mm-hmm. then we only got the track inspected you know, three or four days before the actual race itself. Indeed. Um, can any be better so, than last so on year? On the ground. Yeah, yeah. On an operational level, they have to improve that event. Yeah. Kazakhstan is still on the calendar for those asking for now. Um, apparently, there's been some money put into it, given Google Maps footage. I saw that Simon Patterson of the race uh, put a lot of those out there. Apparently, there's been some investment into the track, so maybe it's now going to finally be ready. However... There is one reserve round on the calendar, and it's only in case Kazakhstan goes tits up. It is a race in Hungary, but not where you think. It's the brand new Balaton Park circuit that was finished last year. Um, So if Kazakhstan doesn't happen, Hungary will fit into its slot on June 16th instead. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Here's the full calendar in in and uh, get your notes out, folks. Um, Qatar back in the season opener slot on March 10th after its renovations from last year. It's now back as the season opener, but we do also keep Portimao as well. That will kick off the European leg um, um, in, on March 24th in Portimao. Do love that place. Good good fun if it's not dangerous as shit. Um, after that, we have the Circuit of the Americas for round three on April 14th. Welcome back to Marquez land. That should be fun indeed. Um, the Spanish Grand Prix at Jerez is on April 24th. Um, <laughs> RJ's just dropping memes in our chat and I don't appreciate his distractions right now. Um, but yeah, Spanish Grand Prix at Jerez on April 28th. Then the, one of the big Blue Ribbon events on the year, the French Grand Prix at Le Mans on May 12th um catalonia has moved that's an interesting one catalonia is now in may on may 26th as opposed to its usual slot in september it's now going to be classics day of classics yeah 
Day of Classics is going to be right there with the Indy 500 in the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, going to be a fun one indeed. There's a, there's a triple, a rare triple header of a motorsports delight on May 26th of the big three that we cover. The Italian Grand Prix on June 2nd at Mugello, followed by maybe Kazakhstan on June 16th. We'll have to see if that passes homologation or not. If it does, it'll be Kazakhstan. If not, it will be Hungary at Barton Park, making its MotoGP debut. Then we have the Dutch TT at Assen on June 30th, one of the big ones, always of the uh, the uh, TT at Assen there. And then, uh, funnily enough, this is the first back-to-back on the year. It's kind of spaced out the mode of first half of the calendar. The first back-to-back is right here because then the German Grand Prix at the Saxon Ring is back on July 7th before a four-week summer break. The... The sport returns on August 4th for the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. Then the uh, Austrian Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring in Spielberg on August 18th. And then Aragon is back on the calendar. Yes, the full fleet of Spanish land races is back on the MotoGP calendar for 2021. Um, Aragon is back on September 1st. Don't all roll out the red carpet at once. Then we have Misano on September 8th. And then... The brutal flyaway leg begins, and unfortunately, Asia trip, Asia trip, and unfortunately, it's the same spec as last year. Six races in seven weeks through the end of September through to early November. It's going to be absolutely hectic. Back to back triple headers. Um, India uh, first off again back at the Buddha International Circuit on September 22nd, followed by Indonesia a week after on September 29th, and then the Japanese Grand Prix at Mobility Resort Mategi on October 6th. I still can't get over that new name. Um, a couple of weeks after that, then, then is the second leg of the flyaway tour. Australia, the traditional Philip Island slobberknocker, on October 20th. Then the Thai Grand Prix at Buriram on October 27th, and then Malaysia for the at Sepang on November 3rd, and then a couple of weeks before the final round of the year at Valencia on November the 17th. It is the joint longest MotoGP season of all time. 21 Grand Prix weekends across eight months. It would have been 22 if it wasn't for Argentina. May the good Lord help us all on that one. Um, It's going to be a loaded calendar. I mean, gents, any initial takes from that? Um, I'm very curious about, I'm very curious about the Kazakh Grand Prix. We didn't get it last year. Uh, This feels like an event that where people would be like, uh, just because of where it is in the world, I feel like people feel like, eh, if this dropped out the calendar again, no huge loss. Um, I want to see Argentina back. I don't like the cut of this Javier Miles. <laughs> I don't like the cut of his jib that he's cutting all this uh, like sports funding. You know, pe- you know, we were all like wagging our fingers at Argentina for taking out their sports rage in IndyCar terms. I have a feeling like... I'm not saying that they should go out and revolt over sports, but it would be very hilarious. <laughs> it would be. Oh, also, get Argentina back on the calendar. Also, range. <laughs> also, we have a uh, we have a. Uh, I just want to go through the uh, the rounds that have Moto E events because it's a limited slate. We got Portugal, France, Catalan, Italy, the Netherlands, Germany, Austria, and San Marino as your finale in the. Shortened Moto E World Cup. 
I haven't got, I haven't got the news last, last a couple of days ago. Chaz Davies, he's back. Huh? <laughs> but what's the point if we can't have Chaz, Raz, and Baz all on track together? God damn it. Ugh. One of these days we'll make this happen. I'm just glad Chaz Davis has found work again. He, uh, I was watching World Superbikes for a fair bit of last year and seeing them as a pundit on Eurosport kind of made me sad because Chaz was still more than good enough to be on that grid. So I'm kind of glad mm. Chaz has work, quite frankly, um, even if it's in the Moto E World Cup, which is a little bit of a, a obscure kind of where race is not quite good enough to be on the Moto 2 grid ends up. Um, so it's a weird one in that sense. And in addition, we also got news that we're going to have another support race for the MotoGP round in Coda. King of the Baggers. Bikes that have no idea what a kilometer is. Yeah. The Baggers. The Baggers. Oh I watched this at Daytona like last year, and it was some of the craziest racing I've ever seen, including friend of the show, James Raspoli was out there. Jeremy McWilliams, who is still chugging at the grand old age of, I think, 54 years of age, um, Big Jezza is still riding baggers for fun. That's where um, James Raspoli ended up? That is crazy. I haven't heard that name in a hot minute. Yeah, a bike live people's champion, James Raspoli, is now riding baggers. I, 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 I didn't even think you'd get a full, a, a full moto, um, a full moto America gig. Um, that's what I, th- I thought we would end up. But uh, yes, you've actually, I, I, and I actually undersold Jezza McWilliams' age. He's sixty in April. <laughs> he's now he's now old enough to get downgraded to a bronze rating if he was a four wheeled racer. That is crazy. <laughs> if he had a private pension, he'd be retiring at the end of the year in, in the UK, uh, which, again, says a lot about how well it is. But great to hear the baggers is going to be at Kota. Great fun. If you're going to be going down to Kota for that weekend, do watch the baggers. It will be well worth the price of admission alone. Them bikes are mad to watch race around the track in any yeah, capacity. Yeah, you've got, you've got bikes that have no pretense whatsoever of performance riding tuned to the gills and then sent around the track it's look there's a there's a harley davidson street glide about 15 feet from me in our garage i can't imagine lean angle on that thing oh <laughs> beautiful um my just to get my general thoughts on the calendar out of the way before we get into the teams real quick Weird, we've got five races in the Iberian Peninsula in general. Um, I, 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 I like Aragon as a track. I think it's one of the best on the calendar. I think it generally produces a lot of good racing, but no one goes to it. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So I'm surprised that Aragon's back on the calendar, but it is, for me, the best Spanish round we have in terms of actual race quality. So I'm kind of glad it's back, but... I, 21 races is a crazy number to me. Uh, 21 plus 0.5 on each of them because each one has a sprint. Yeah, the sprint rules are unchanged for this year. Um, so that's still going to very much be a thing, about 50% more actual racing on track compared to the standard calendar. And as the test proved, um, people are still getting dinged up left, right, and center. More on that as we go through the teams. But look, it's a good, nice, balanced, diverse calendar. I do find it a bit weird that we don't get a back-to-back until July, and then we have two triple headers and the flyaways at the back half of the year. I still think that's absolutely crazy 
that that's even a thing in MotoGP these days. I mean, there is no reason why we need to have six races in seven weeks to, to close out a season. I think that's preposterous, personally. I think they're but, feeling it's just like, well, these are the only baits we can squeeze it in, and it's either this or restretch this calendar out to December. Yeah, I don't like it in, 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 in either instance. I don't like it, but it is what it is in that sense. So I'm running out of it is what it is, Dre. It is. Should we, should we get into the teams? Let's talk about the teams. Uh, oh, man, first speaking, one on the of, list. speaking of running out of it is what it is, the MotoGP Ga- teams. Gas Gas <laughs> Tech 3 KTM is blessed with the talents of not just Augusto Fernandez's last year's Rookie of the Year by default, but also Pedro Acosta, the reigning defending, not defending, the reigning Moto2 champion. Yes, and uh, I, I wrote some neat paragraphs to introduce all of these teams to you listeners out there, because I know some of you are new, Kim, and I know I've had DMs and messages from people saying that, Dre, I'm going to give bike racing a go this year. Fantastic. I'm genuinely delighted you're on board. We're going to be real with you. It's not quite as fun as it's been in the last few years, but it's still a good time. So we're going to try our best to introduce a sense of culture about all of these teams going forward. And as Jason Crider puts out in the chat, Congrats to Pedro Acosta, the 2024 Rookie of the Year, because he wins by default. He's the only rookie in the field. <laughs> hey, he's already bringing home. He's already bringing on the silverware. This Hasn't even turned a wheel in anger yet. <laughs> he gets a medal in November. What a guy! Um, he'll be sharing that with Yander Uvala in Formula E. Um, so the Gas Gas team, number 37, Augusto Fernandez, and number 31, Pedro Acosta. You can tell who won the sumo wrestling contest as to who got the number 37 in that team, given Acosta won his Moto Two title with that number last year. Although I do find it funny that the number one on Acosta's bike looks very much like a seven. I don't think that was a coincidence somehow. <laughs> Now, we all know where the excitement is coming from with Tech 3. While Augusto Fernandez was a surprisingly capable and consistent rider in his 2023 rookie campaign, enough to make Paul Espargaro expendable, rookie sensation Pedro Acosta is where all eyes will be turning. Acosta's still a teenager until May, but he ran riot in Moto2 last year, winning seven races. The speed will almost certainly be there right from the start, but can it be harnessed with the huge step up in power and speed? And more importantly, will it get the team off the bottom? Given they're on a KTM, it's hard to argue they shouldn't be getting more out of their current package. I mean, Dre, let's let's put it in an anecdote about Pedro da Costa. His first race in Moto3, he won from pit lane. He won from pit lane. Pedro Acosta... He won from starting from the pit lane. Um, I'll put it in in in, in perspective as, as best I can. Pedro Acosta is the great Spanish hope. If you've been paying attention to bike racing in the last four years or so, Spain's kind of gotten their asses kicked by the French and the Italians, respectively. Um, Which is yeah, crazy I, because we just talked about the fact they have five races. Indeed, and yet Spain well, from a lack sorry, of Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry for I forget, the Portuguese are going to send us some emails. Uh, in, 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 indeed, and and Johan Mir's twenty twenty world title feels like a very long time ago at the moment. More on that later. Mm. But Italy's kind of taken over in most of the classes right now, and Spain's kind of waiting for their next guy. And Look, Pedro Acosta, I genuinely believe, is going to be a superstar. I and on the track and off the track. If you if you ever hear interviews with him, I love this kid. He he gets it. His racing hero is Michael Dunlop. 
the Isle of Man TT legend. This is a man who knows and loves his bikes. He's, he's wise and mature well beyond his 19 years of life. Um, he understands that the, the sport needs more entertainment. It needs a showman again because it knows its golden years was baked in Valentino Rossi, who we all know completely embraced the entertainment side of being an elite athlete. I love Pedro. I think he's going to be fantastic. And if the test was anything to go by, he was the fastest KTM of all four that were on the grid. Um, and I know from people of off the record, they're very excited about this kid. He seems the real deal. And uh, if he is, everyone needs to be on notice because this guy could be about to put Spain back on the map in the future. It's going to be very exciting to keep an eye on Pedro's progress this year. So what is Augusto? Chop liver? Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Hmm. You know, with Augusto, I mean, he had a very solid kind of under the radar season in 2023. Um, but that's all like, I don't really have a lot to say about a season last year. He was very clean. He kept himself out of trouble more often than not. But so often the gas gas team as a whole were just there. It didn't help that they lost Paul Spargo in one of the first practice sessions on the year mm. effectively for the whole season. Given when he came back, he was not at 100 um, percent, but they're on a KTM. They and should be better. KTM. Well, that's just the thing about KTMs. They blow they blow hot or they blow cold. And we've harped on them for the last four or five years for their lack of consistency, where they will show up. They'll have a bike to fight Ducati with. They'll show up the next week fighting to stay in the points. Tech Free had one bonkers round last season, and that was when Augusto Fernandez finished fourth at Le Mans. And besides that, it was lower end points pretty much the entire rest of the season. Like, it's like KTM's inconsistency, but without the upside that KTM often gives you. It's like, given their talent, given the amount of good people within that team, and I'm a big fan of Hervé Poncheral, generally speaking. He's one of the yeah. universally well-liked and respected team principals in, in MotoGP history. And that's not just Susie Perry's endorsement whenever you watch a TNT sports broadcast. <clears throat> um, but overall, I, I do... I do think this team should be doing better with what it's got. Um, and hey, maybe Acosta is going to be the one that opens the door for that because the guy is a stud. The guy was top 10 overall speed in testing. Um, and Fernand- I mean, the weird thing is, is Fernandez test was, was pretty woeful. Just couldn't get to grips with the 2024 KTM. Very, very odd. But Acosta openly admitted he could have gone even quicker. He openly admitted he went wide in turns 8 and 12 on his hot lap, um, which, by the way, was a 57-2. More on that later. It would have been matching the unofficial track record of Sapan. So Acosta is fast. Um, if he can harness that speed, in race trim, and how's his, you know, how of his hand to hand combat's going to be on track? We'll have to wait and see. But if it's anything like his testing slate and anything like his Moto 2 reputation, look out. This this kid's going to be giving KTM a lot of headaches going forward in terms of KTM, KTM need, needs another headache with managing its stable of riders. Who would have ever guessed? Hmm. Yeah, again, more on that later um, on that one. Um, 
Should we get into the Hondas next? Yeah, well, I guess we got to. I mean, we got LCR Honda Nets. They are blessed with the talents of number five, Johan Zarco, who was fifth in the championship on another bike. And number 30, Takaki Nakagami, Taka for short, who was 18th in the championship. Um, we'll get it. We'll talk about this a lot. This is our Honda therapy session. It was yes. not a good time for Honda. Um, I'm going to hold hands with Cam for the next half hour. Um, um, I have progressed beyond the need for therapy. I have simply gone numb. <laughs> Given the well-publicized collapse of Honda's performances as a factory, they did pretty well to snag a top-five rider on the grid with Johan Zarco, leaving Pramac to help in the mammoth task of trying to rebuild Honda. He's the most versatile rider in MotoGP at this point, and he has some experience on the RC213V but that didn't help when he binned the 2024 Honda on the first day out in testing in Valencia. Takanakagami's still here too, but you have to wonder just how useful this collective experience is given his results show he's barely a top 10 finisher on a good day through 2023. Losing the chance to get Ayagura in a couple of years ago may only hurt Honda in the long run. The rebuild starts here. But it's a rebuild with like old dudes. It's like normally rebuilds around young guys. But again, as you mentioned, uh, Ayagura was so fed up of being roadblocked and so fed up with the progression of Honda that he just decided to break allegiances and go a different path in Moto2. He's left oh. Honda in its full entirety. He's now going to be representing MSI helmets in Moto2 this upcoming season on the speed-up chassis. He's like, get me away from all of this shit, uh, basically. Um, and yeah, his his entire season was derailed last year by a wrist injury he suffered in preseason testing, which didn't help him at all. He would have likely ridden this bike if if he felt a bit better about Honda's prospects. He didn't, which kind of says it all, really. Isn't that right, Kind of says it all about what everyone thinks about Honda at the moment. Now, in fairness, and I think we'll talk a little bit about this more with the uh, discussion with the factory team, but it's it's better. I mean, if you break your bone a little bit rather than completely, it's better. But they're starting from a not great base. Um, the Honda is, and now it looks like again, like last year, all four bikes are going to be on equivalent, um, factory equipment, but they're all learning. Johan Zarco, right? We, we talked about his adaptability. I mean, this is the best he's been in a long time. He's been on just about everything in the field. (laughs) He's the only rider in the field that's ridden for four different factories in the course of his MotoGP career already. He stood in the Honda when he famously... Cried wolf and got out of KTM after half a season. Um, Some say Ryan Eric King has never forgiven him to this day. No, he hates yeah, the, the people who say that are Ryan Eric King. <laughs> yeah, it's a long list. Um, but he has um, ridden but, but, for Yamaha, Ducati, <laughs> KTM, and Honda. So no one else in the field has ridden for four different manufacturers. So that's worth yeah. something. It is. I mean, he's talked about this bike feels like it's a solid seven tenths clear of what last year's bike was, which is a terrifying amount of lap time to find in a single off season. The problem is the guy who was a second a lap faster than every other Honda rider now isn't riding a Honda anymore. So, 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 so you're trying to tell me he's they're down the net three temps. Um. <laughs> well, it's not great, is it? 
It's, it's like a MotoGP version of NBA's plus minus. Um, and now he's down seven. The, 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 the good news, we found seven tenths in testing. Bad news, the guy that was worth a second the lap is gone. Um, so, so you're sending me with down a quarter of a second. Yes. Great. Good progress, Stang. Um, yeah. They need, and when they you need look across... When you look across to Taka Nakagami, you know, I love me some Taka. I do. But it just feels like the last year and a half or so, he has been the quiet struggler in the Honda camp where him not willing to take the risk to get the lap time out of the bike that so often spat out the other three riders on it last year that for most of 2023, Taka just rode around anywhere from 14th to 18th and just was taking points by virtue of finishing races and not mm. much else. We're not getting, like, like to talk about another Taka, we're not getting, like, the Taka Michinoku that was tearing it up in Japanese junior heavyweight wrestling. We're talking about the WWF Taka Michinoku, whose most famous highlight was getting bonked on the head, getting thrown out of the ring in the Royal Rumble that one time. Yeah, it's it, it feels that way. I mean, Taka doesn't want to hurt himself anymore, especially after the nasty hand injury he suffered in 2022 that nearly derailed his entire career. He's a little bit fortunate that Ayagura's plan ended up derailing because he almost certainly would have been sacrificed for Agure if that had actually gone through. Um, but he's still here. He's still chugging. He's a bit of their test dummy at this point for, for Honda. And they, they throw radical setups at him um, and big parts to see how he feels about it. And then they kind of go from there. Um, he's not really here for top end results at this point. He's here to help the team develop and, that's a valuable role. It's it's an important one, but it's not going to be a competitive one, unfortunately. Yeah, at you this already point paid life. Stefan Bradle to do that. Yeah, and Bradle's an excellent test rider. It's 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 weird that this is what we're talking about i i like zarko i've always been a fan of zarko as a rider he's a little bit on the reckless side sometimes but he is fast that's never been the issue with johan um and i'm glad he got that win last year because this window might be very much closed shut after the next two years in this Honda camp. I can't think of a better guy in the field to help develop a struggling team than Johan. He's been here before with places like Avintio and he was on two-year-old Ducatis. Um, I just hope he's got the patience and the discipline to see this through because he could reap the rewards if he finds a way to, to make a breakthrough with this team and bike. It's not slow. Um, that's the one positive about the Honda camp. It's not a slow bike, but it does have its issues. And I think this would actually be a nice way to segue nicely into Repsol, the factory team, about this, because Luke has been talking quite a lot about that in that camp. Number 10, Luca Marini, eighth in the championship. And did you know that he's Valentino Ross's half-brother? It's never God mentioned. It. And the, the 2020 MotoGP world champion, Johan Mir, number 36, who was only 22nd because of an injury-plagued 2023 season. This is... a. Uh, well, the Chicago Bulls had to face life without Michael Jordan at some point. Welcome yeah, unfortunately, to... <laughs> the bike is the equivalent of Zach Levine's contract. 
Yeah, the worst in the NBA. Um, welcome to life after Mark Marquez and the Honda factory team. Nothing was more startling than seeing the Sepang shakedown and seeing Honda's riders not sporting Red Bull energy caps after the energy drink supplier firm bolted to join some other Spanish guy. Again, they did pretty well to bring in Luca Marini given the circumstances, a solid rider looking to break free from the shackles of the frustrating VR46 pecking order and has made continued improvements throughout his career. And alongside Yoan Mir in a contract year, the pandemic world champion of 2020 still struggling to adapt his riding style to an increasingly unrideable Honda. The loss of Mark Marquez is already hitting hard, but it has seemed to prompt the Japanese factory to start pumping out updates to try and recover after half a decade of struggles. But just what could be salvaged from one of the sport's iconic teams? Heavy rumours you'll be seeing a lot less orange and white on the bike this year as well, given that Repsol yeah. has pulled some of their funding too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we see that in their test livery where now no longer does Repsol, even on these unpainted bikes, have top billing. That uh, now sits on the belly pan of the bike, and it appears that Honda's colours will be the predominant ones on this bike as their sponsors have bled out of this team during their fall. Um, and here we come to the factory side of things. Again, for the first time, according to Taka, according to Taka, since 2018, they have not had a, a meeting with all four riders about the state of the bike until this test. Yikes. They went five years without having an all-hands meeting on the state of the bike. Correct. What? How what? much was how much how many cracks was Mark Marquez papering over all this time, man? He was papering over a hole uh, straight through to the other side of the earth. <laughs> he was he was the piece of chewing gum that was preventing the entire dam from crumbling and flooding the entire West Coast. The Mark Marquez crack. was tw he was Twitter's load bearing Mac Mini. The, the only crack that was bigger was the big shows when Vince McMahon was feuding with D-Generation X in the mid-2000s. Do we, do we yeah. gotta bleep that out? <laughs> okay, 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 but, but, but back on but track, back, folks. Back on track, so this is Honda in the post-Marquez era. Now, basically copy-paste a bunch of what was said about LCR here that they think the bike is a pretty significant step up from last year, but that isn't that hard when last year's bike was an axe murderer. Um, and this bike, even though it had, it looks like it has cured some of the scaries of last year's machine. Um, it looks like it does still have significant issues on worn tires. Rear traction still an issue. Rear traction is still an issue despite making the bike longer, despite a much more aggressive and much more with the time aero package. Kind of a medley of the greatest hits of all of the worst of the aero trends of MotoGP. <laughs> um, we now have serrated rear wings. More on them in a bit. Mm. But in all of this, you have a former world champion whose stock was utterly destroyed last season. <coughs> By this bike, I mean, Johan Mir barely competed last year. Such Missed was the rash races. of injuries and crashes. Missed five races through injury last year, was 22nd in the championship. Um, and I think only finished about half the Grand Prix on the board overall because he was just beaten up and ground to a pulp by this Honda. This is Great, he Mir. Won, he was he the won definition. His championship. 
by oh. being the floor guy. I was I was just about to say this. Like he was the definition on consistency on a Suzuki that like it wasn't all perfect, but but it had its strengths and they worked just perfectly with Yoan Mir's strengths as a rider at that point in time. And this spike couldn't be further from that. And again, I wonder, given what's been happening with the bike on long runs, if the the more gripped up nature of a test track and running three days here again masks some of the fundamental issues with the bike's layout because we saw this when they first redesigned the bike back in 22 that everyone loved it until they put it on an actual race surface and it was chucking riders at the sky that's tough um look at marini like there was was, he, he got the bag I don't you think it's as bad. You can't beat a factory bag, and you can't beat factory support. I'm like, it's not the worst hire that you could do when like everybody else turns you down, and you need somebody to just take the other seat that Mark Marquez once held. It's a good hire. It's an objectively good hire given the circumstances, especially given. Let's be real here. Marquez did them no favors by leaving it until three quarters of the way through the season to break off his contract. Um, that and the fact that other riders on the grid were laughing them out of the room with the offers they were trying to have them sign. Yeah, they got Marini in the end, and I think Marini was frustrated in just being the four guy. Look, it's a weird one with Marini because on the one hand, he's a good rider. There's no doubt about it. He's gotten better year on year in MotoGP, and he's he was he was on the podium multiple times in sprints and Grand Prix last year. The problem Very is he got his, impressive through twenty three. Yeah, the problem is he got his ass whipped by Marco Bezzecchi by yeah. over a hundred points. I mean, there it's, was points it, where Bezzecchi was still outriding him with his broken collarbone still healing. That's the issue. Um, and look, he's a good rider. He's quick, but he's he's going to be in for a long haul with this bike. And I hope he's got again. I hope he's got the patience for it because it's yeah. going to be a, a slog for Luca Definitely. for the next year or so. It feels like when the Packers replaced Aaron Rodgers with Jordan Love. And it feels just like, you know, is Jordan Love all that much of a big-time talent? Well, we we saw what happened, but this is like a whole bunch of different circumstances uh, between being the signal caller for a professional football team and being one of two riders on a bike, I guess. I don't know. I still don't know how I feel about it. Let's talk about our new American Cousins track house. Miguel Oliveira, Miguel Oliveira from the United States of America, Raul (laughs) Fernandez from the United States of America. We got Justin Marks. Riding the American legend brand, Aprilia. That's right. Forget Harley Davidson. This is peak American heritage. We got it all. We got Justin. You know, over here in this series, we embrace American investment. You're damn right. Yes, RNF is dead, and the Trackhouse team, most famously from NASCAR, run by Justin Marks in collaboration with Pitbull, now owns a MotoGP team. And while the gloss of an all-in American Star Spangled Banner livery and glossy social media team look nice, this is still kind of a middle-of-the-road team on paper. There were casualties internally, thanks to the crypto bro ownership last year. And no matter how you slice it, the team under delivered, given the ingredients in 2023. 
Miggy has huge upside, but is now in his age 29 season. That that can't be real. That's not possible. Well, it is real. He's What he, the he's, hell? He's 29 now. What I don't do you like mean? it. I don't like it. <laughs> you have to oh. wonder if that big push is ever coming. Same with Raul Fernandez, who had flashes of his utterly sensational Moto2 form last year, but again, not consistently. But with millions coming in from Trackhouse and factory 2024 Aprilia machinery being used, maybe this is the shot in the arm that everyone in that camp needs. Dre, oh, by the way, hit me. Roger, he first. I, w- I was probably going to get to this point before Dre, because all this sounds very, very promising. The plan that they laid out with the millions coming in from Marks, with the new Aprilia machinery. And then, and then we logged on recently, and we learned Davide Brivio is joining the team too. Massive coup! Massive, massive coup! It, uh, a lot of people you could not in... get a better hire if you tried. For those who don't know, Davide Brivio used to be the team boss over at Suzuki, um, who won the Moto GP uh, manufacturer's title and rider's title in 2020 before going to Alpine um, a couple of years ago, who ended up not quite knowing what to do with him and eventually ended up in their head of their driver development program. He was penciled in to go to Honda for 2024, but at the last minute, Justin Marks came in gave david gave davide a blank check and then said welcome to the house um because uh davide brivio is now their new team boss um and that is a coup everyone in moto gp was like shit that's a hire um yeah that is a massive uh, it is if you have if you'd have guessed 6 months ago that justin mark to be in a social media video on a moto gp Twitter account, arm in arm with Davide Brivio saying, welcome to the house. I'd have said, what narcotics are you on? You are drinking Uh, ethanol. Ferrari (laughs) brand. Well, more on that in our F1 season preview. Um, What is this team? (laughs) Well, what this is, is the same playbook of how they went about their program over in NASCAR, because... If you know a little bit about Trackhouse as a team in NASCAR, they're basically um, the corpses of about six or seven different teams formed together into a Voltron of, you know, talent from other teams and talent who was fun employed. And Justin Marks made it a point when putting together his NASCAR team when he took over the primary corpse from Chip Ganassi Racing to go out and get the best that he could. Hiring people like Ty Norris, who was instrumental in the heyday of DEI, in the heyday of Michael Waltrip Racing. Sometimes too much. Um, (laughs) And that is really the same playbook here in that Justin Marks knows where the talent is. And he knows that he knows the right people to slot in at the right time. And he could not have picked a better example a MotoGP world champion team principal less than less than five years ago to head up this op. He's a five-time um, team champion, Davide Brivio, and he's had he's had five riders win world championships under his lineage, and he's a four-time team champion as well. 
Davide Brivio is the big winner in MotoGP that people don't talk about when they compare to people like Livio Suppo and Lynn Jarvis. Um, he is a brilliant team boss. He's one of the mo- most respected and liked team bosses. He's a fantastic people's manager. He knows how to get the best out of people and he needs it like this is what this team needs and let's not forget this is a high upside unit this is a team that probably should have won the 2020 world championship when it happened with frankie morbidelli and fabio quattararo this entry slot two identities ago was like this is the most exciting team at moto gp when it was a satellite yamaha team funded by malaysian petrol money yeah this was a hell of a team. It's a team that has championship-winning caliber people inside of it already. Um, so Justin has picked a great team to invest in, a team that's lost a bit of its shine, no lie, mm. but it's got a lot of tools for potential success. Davide is a fantastic hire. Look, we love Miggy on this show. I have since the, mm-hmm. since the days of he was in Moto3 on a Rebel, and I thought, this kid is special. Um, I, 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 I do wonder if that really big season for Miggy is ever going to land or not. Um, he's never been more than a fringe top 10 guy overall in his MotoGP career today, but he does have five wins, which is more than half the grid. Um, yes, so- five wins, and on his day, he's as quick as anybody. He's a rain god. When the rain comes down, there is very few out there better. And for the first time in a couple of years, it feels like, he might just have the equipment to go out and do something with it because unlike last year where this team was running parts bin previous year Aprilia's to the point where they were actually last year's parts and they were failing and they were burning through them, Justin has cut a check to Aprilia to ensure that he has equal equipment and equal support with the factory. That's which is just great for Aprilia all around. They're going to have four spec bikes on the grid next year. They can all gather data off and piggyback off each other. It's a great move and a fantastic investment of money. It's, it's, a, it's a shrewd move from Justin, who knows how to build a winning team. And I, I like everything this team is doing. I cannot speak highly enough of their approach to MotoGP so far. Um, I know for a fact it's blown a lot of people away, even on social media with its team and its coverage and its outreach. I know people within MotoGP who used to be a part of the series, who used to work for Dorna, who are now in other teams going, if we had half the social media budget that, that an F1 team does, we'd be able to blow people away with some of the things we can do. And Trackhouse has been slick, classy, and is fully leaned into Americana with this team so far. I mean, the livery is a star-spangled banner in full tribute to this Nicky is what we were pro- This is what we were promised with Haas in F1 like eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is what we wanted. Like, they've leaned all the way in on the America, despite having a Portuguese and a Spanish rider. But uh, I still think that's no, they're ours funny. now. They're ours now, man. The, the, we, 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 the, the Americans have adopted them as their own. Look, I like this team... I want to root for this team. I like everything that Justin Marks has said about what he wants to do with this team. He gets it. And I don't say that about many people in motorsport these days. Justin absolutely gets it from a brand marketing social team 
development standpoint. I like everything he's done in this camp so far, and Davide was the cherry on top. That is a fantastic hire. I mean, Trey, um, consider how difficult it has been in the last, uh, in, in let's say the Charter era, uh, soon mm-hmm. to be um, expunged in the short term Charter era. How hard it has been for teams to break into the really the top echelon in NASCAR and consistently compete at the top. He's been able to take a, a Chip Ganassi team, which was not all that competitive for most of their time in NASCAR, other than employing um, a certain someone who will not be named. And he's turned them into a championship level organization in under four years. Ross Chastain, your 2023 championship runner-up. Let's not forget. Um, the Mellon Man himself was second in the championship. So this is a team that can win at the very highest level in NASCAR. And if they keep playing their cards right like this, I don't see any reason why they couldn't potentially do it in MotoGP in five years from, t- from now. He knows how to build teams. I know how to build teams. I think given that Ducati was off the table, I think he's taken the best versatile bike he could have taken to go with him. He's opened the checkbooks. He's prepared to invest and he's prepared to put money in the right places. I love what this team is doing so far and I'm excited to see its progress. Good riders. I'll um, get well soon to Raul Fernandez. He sadly couldn't take part in the entire surface. He had a bit of a high side on day one. Some water on the curbs flung him off his bike, which is really unfortunate um, and negligent on Sepang's part, quite frankly. They had water on their curbs on day one of the test. But um, he's okay, thankfully. It's just for precautionary reasons, he uh, pulled out of the test after day one so he can go home and recover. He'll be back for the Qatar test before the season actually starts. So don't worry too much on that front. It's a good team of riders. It's a great team of management. Looking forward to seeing what they could get up to. On the other side of the coin... Next on the list is the Monster Energy Yamaha factory team. Oh, no. Well, they got Fabio Cordero. He's a world champion. And they got Alex Renz, who's healthy. Uh, man, at least with Honda, like, the disappointment was just explosive. With Yamaha, it just feels like, you know, it feels like you're being put in, like, a headlock. You're being put in a rest hole for 10 minutes. Yeah. It's like the same personality as the bikes, so... I mean, with Yamaha, there is no excuse any longer. The mission, if you choose to accept it, is simple. Do everything in your power to convince Fabio Quattararo that this team is worth staying with. And he's going to sacrifice probably another two years out of his 20s to stay there. You know, the former world champion Frenchman produced miracles last season to challenge for the occasional win, to challenge for the occasional podium. But that is not going to be a compelling reason to stick around with so much movement in the rider market and a world champion chopping at the bit to get back into championship contention. Bring in Alex Rins from Honda. That's a power move. Yamaha now has, I think I'm right in saying this, the best rider lineup in MotoGP. Are none. Full stop. On paper, but their but their success but ballast is the bike. Their success ballast is the bike because the bike doesn't generate all that much lap time, and it's not all that rideable while also not generating all that much lap time, even with the extra power that this new 2024 engine has brought them. Dre, could we see a third year in a row where a world champion bails from a Japanese manufacturer? 
mirroring 2021 sorry mirroring 2022 marcus choice on that one yeah, yeah like Mir was more forced than volunteered but still it counts um Mir in 2022 told. marquez in 2023 potentially two in 2024 if my Mir leaves honda as well it could be as many as four um world champions walking away from japanese bikes in the space of three years which would be wild now this is a bit of a good news, bad news situation. The good news is the Yamaha engine does produce more grunt in 2024. That has been verified by Fabio. He's happy with the fact the bike produces more power. It's got more grunt in the mid-range, and he likes it because if, if there is hand-to-hand combat, he's no longer a rolling chicane. That is, that is a good thing. He likes that. Um, and generally speaking, Fabio's been quite optimistic in that Yamaha camp over the course of this Sepang test. The bad news is their overall pace is still startlingly low. They did not crack the top 10 in their quali sims at the end of day three of testing in Sepang. They were outside the top 10, and there's no point in talking about how you're better hand-to-hand in combat with more power if you're still going to be qualifying in 12th anyway. Which is crazy, because I always just thought that like the Yamaha all I was missing was was grunt. I mean, my impression was that the bike was still stable. But the problem has been, and really since they've tried to inject extra power into it, is that it's hurt the rideability and the the sweet handling characteristics of the i4 bike. Um, And when I look at this versus the Honda, which in the past three years has evolved quite heavily, um, for better and for worse, they're trying stuff. And when I look at the Yamaha, it looks like the bike from three years ago with arrows stuck on it. Um, That was the issue with the Honda last year is it looked like the same bike as always and the Yamaha, to be fair, um, with arrow kind of tacked on. And this bike, once again, I mean, they try arrow parts, they take them off. They don't work. This is the first real change to the arrow in the couple of years where now it's got a little bit more of an Aprilia-esque fairing wing. Um, a little bit more in the way of the ground effects pioneered by Ducati and Aprilia. But it's still quite tame. And as they inject power into this motorcycle, the frame is very similar to what it's been from the last couple of years, and they just can't get it to the ground. It doesn't matter how much extra power you give the bike if it can't hit the ground and you're spinning your tire on exit, and then you still don't have enough top end because you're on an inline four, and the V4s just blow past you anyway. This is like if you're built, if you're tuning a car in Gran Turismo and you're just like, I want to do all the power upgrades, but give none of the platform transmission or anything like that. Oh, anymore. God. Oh, fuck. It's the stage four turbo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the Dodge Viper in GT3 of a thousand horsepower that can't put its power down properly. That's what it feels like. And look, I echo Cam's sentiment. This is the best rider lineup in MotoGP for me now, bar none. They've got two of the five best riders in the world on their machines now, without any question in my mind. But the bike is the bike is a sticking point. Now, and, and for all the reasons Cam's mentioned, I'm not going to get into that because Cam's spot on everything he's saying. The, the mission is simple. You've got to convince Fabio that this is worth another two years of investment. And, I, and look, I'll give, I'll give Yamaha this. By the way he's talking, I think Fabio will stay. I do. He seems to like the fact that Yamaha's given him assurances that they're going to be more aggressive in development. 
and that they are pushing hard to try and match his ambition. And we've um, seen it. Like we've seen that they're trying more things. Not so much that they are working, but it's the way that they are working. And this is ditto over across the aisle and the other Japanese manufacturer. Mm. There was so much stagnation, really, from really the last couple of years that Valentino was there alongside Maverick, um, where every year they would come out and, oh, the bike looks the same. And it's got all the same problems. They are trying more. They are being more aggressive. Um, for me, the question this year is, this is all well and good. When we turn a wheel in anger, where do these bikes land? Because we know that the riders are not a question. And Rins looked all right on the bike. Um, certainly, he has had a hell of a past 12 months. Yeah. He went from being the guy who was the focal point of the narrative of like Honda doesn't need Mark Marquez to, well, <laughs> actually, he's hurt. Actually, the bike tried to end his career. Dude, it's crazy. And, and he deserves better because you all because we've always thought like Alex Rins has that world championship level potential. But potential is wasted energy, as a man once said. And that's not to say that Alex Rins' whole career has been a waste. It's just that we need to see more of it. I just don't know if he has the tools to. And as far as Fabio Quattararo, well, we know what he's all about. His reputation is above reproach. I, it's wild to me that we're looking at the best rider lineup in MotoGP, and I question if they're going to win a race this year. I don't think they will. I don't, I don't think, think they, they will, will either. I think they'll go winless, and I think they're going to be averaging bottom end of the top 10. That's my oh. prediction. If that's the case, I don't see how Fabio stays. I, I don't care about tone. I don't know if that man's going to take another year of fringe top 10. 20 bucks. He's, too, he's, too, he's too good for it. He's too good for that. If he is stuck down in the dumps another year, it's just going to piss me off. I think Fabio's a sucker. I got a feeling he's going to stay. 20 bucks, Cam says he stays. Ooh. Do y'all want to bet another die cast on it? Um, I still, we still need to decide. We still need to decide which one I'm getting you for last look, year. You piece of shit. Look, look, while we decide, <laughs> look, while we decide that let's go into what we all came here for, where you're probably all listening to this uh, season preview for in the word of tragic cliche, Duke Nukem, bingo, the mother load, Rossini racing, <laughs> Ducati satellite team. They've got Alex Marquez and now they have the eight time champion of the world, Mark Marquez. In the biggest rider transfer story for 20 years, Mark Marquez broke off his gargantuan Honda deal to head to Nadia Padovani's Ducati satellite team in front of all Marquez brothers team. Somewhere, the late great Fausto Grissini is fist pumping from heaven. The big questions have already been asked countless times already. Can Mark Marquez adapt to the Desmo Decini? Is he still good enough to challenge for the championship against the men who've already shaped their careers on it? And will he stick around beyond just the one year's contract reads? Alex Marquez already feels like an afterthought. The 2024 MotoGP season centers on this team and its most popular rider. God help us all. The initial impressions seem like <laughs> he's back. Well, um, the Valencia test said a whole lot without saying anything. Giant 
grin and shit eating <laughs> shit eating grin like a Mitt Romney level shit eating grin <laughs> but pump the brakes a little a little bit yeah yeah so, yeah god I miss when Mitt Romney was just like the worst that Republicans could get god there's always a bigger fish now first day of testing in Sepang not a great start Mark Marquez rides out of the garage and the bike immediately breaks he lost he pretty much lost a full day of testing to that mechanical problems on day one <laughs> But since then, it's gotten a little Pretty better good. and a little better. Hasn't really done a lot of work on the time attack, which I think makes sense because in his own words, he's having to unlearn 11 years of blasting the front tire into the pavement on the Honda because that's how you ride the Honda. You work the front tire. The Ducati is all about the back tire, all about getting it in on the brakes, turning it, you know, not tucking the front. And then blasting out of the corner with that traction and that power that the Desmo Sedici is known for. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Marquez gave a very lengthy interview with the press about this after day two, where he was like, look, I'm riding the uh, time attacks. I'm riding on instinct. I'm not used to having this much rear grip. So I've got, I've got to adapt my riding style. It's a Cal style problem. It's like, yeah. can you make the back of the bike worse? I'm not used to this. Right. It's why he openly compared himself to what Luca Marini was saying, because obviously Marini, being the new Honda rider, was saying, I'm I'm not used to not having the rear of the bike support me, so I've got to adapt my style to being able to make the back of the bike slide around. Marquez is like, I've never had a bike with this much rear grip. I don't have to work the front tire. I've got to adapt a little bit. But his long run pace was competitive. It's up there with, with the other Dukes. It's it's right up there um, from what I could see in, in time. I had a chat with Simo about it. And and yeah, like the signs are promising. He's nowhere yeah, near for long run bike pace. Yeah, I mean, if this is him, if this is him not knowing what he's doing, then God help us all. Um, because, <laughs> I mean, in terms of raw lap time, it's fairly middle of the road. Um, but in terms of long run pace, both he and Alex were quicker than last year's sprint win. Yes. Um, as we know, the GP 23 is just objectively a better bike than the 22 was. It was better out of the box. It's a little smoother. It's a little bit, uh, more of a flexible weapon than the 22 was out of the gate. Mm. Um, but this is now a question of how can he adapt his style overall really over a lap because we know how important qualifying is in this era of the arrow. Um, but long runs already very good. I mean, long runs already scary. Dre out of mm. this guy. It's, it's, it's up there with some of like, I saw Peter McLaren's analysis of this for crash.net did a great job grouping together. Some of the nine or 10 lap longer run pace. And Marquez was right up there with the other Dukes. He's going to fit very nicely into that block of Martin, Banyaya. Fabio DG Antonio, we'll get to in a bit. DG Antonio looked very quick over a long run form. Like a lot of reason to be optimistic in the VR46 camp. More on that in a bit. But um, yeah, like Marquez I mean, I mean, is right there like, with them. We saw something we haven't seen for a little bit because the Honda would break the front so quickly last year. We saw Mark do an elbow save. Like yeah. the good old days. Oh yeah, That's crazy. It, it, it's back. It's it, it looks like the Marquez of old, and I mean that in a good way. Um, That's right. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and don't forget, Alex was in the 56s in testing as well and on quality sims. That's very, we almost very forgot competitive. Alex Marquez oh, yeah. proving our proving what we've written correct. No, but and Alex Marquez has looked. He's taken to the 23 like a duck to water. He looked already in full rhythm with the bike. And he went through the same thing last year where he was gaining seconds on his Honda times of the previous of 22. And he didn't know why because he didn't know how to ride the bike. Um, And we saw Alex adapt to that really took him about half a season, but he looked very comfortable on last year's Ducati. And this bike is a more comfortable bike compared to the 22. So there is an enormous amount to be optimistic about with Grassini and uh, they know it because with all the photo shoots with uh, Nadia and the the Marquez brothers, they are out here having fun. Oh yeah. They're enjoying every minute of this. They love the attention and I'm delighted for Nadia Padovani. She's, she's a wonderful team boss. She's impossible not to root for in, in this Grassini camp. Um, And they're, they're enjoying like, like, you can tell with these brothers, if you ever watched Marquez on the Edge uh, and the documentaries he's been in, they are genuinely blood brothers. They are incredibly close. Um, they love each other very dearly, and they've always wanted to ride for the same team, and that dream has finally come true. Um, that They, they can, were robbed they, of it in 2020, even before yeah. Alex turned to wheel in anger because he was slotted out of Repsol as quickly as he was slotted in. Yeah. But another and thing, the, the, Dre, as well, what I love... To kind of to that point, uh, I think it came out earlier today. Alex is uh, Alex was being interviewed. If Mark needs help, he's like he's already too close. I don't want to help him. <laughs> the quote was, "He doesn't need my help." Yeah. yeah, which is a good sign. It's a very good sign that Mark is going to be plugged in pretty much from week one. Maybe not at the full peak of his powers, um, but he's certainly going to be, I think, competitive from day one. Um, and if, if Jorge Martin's words were ominous, like he could win in Qatar. And, and again, there's few, there's few riders on the planet faster than Jorge Martin. If he's saying that, then goodness only knows what happens when they get to Kota. Because uh, uh, we don't all know, too, Mark- don't get too far ahead of ourselves here. But, but it's hard but not to because it's, MotoGP it's, yeah. is genuinely better. And I don't know if it's just a placebo effect at the time before we got crazy with Arrow, but like MotoGP just seems like it's better when Mark Marquez is at the peak of his game, which is crazy for a dominant champion. He is as box office as any star in any sport. Agreed. I can watch the man hot lapping just on an onboard all day because like supporter of the show, Tony Smith watching Kamui Kobayashi run the Lama chicane at Daytona. Mm. It's almost hypnotizing to watch the man work on a bike. Yes, it is. He is the most exciting man in motorsport when he's fully clocked in. There's no one like Mark Marquez in the world, in my opinion, when he's fully loaded. And we've not really, we've not seen Mark Marquez at 10 tenths of his capacity for five years, in my opinion. This might be as near as we've gotten to that in quite some time. And it's hard not to be excited about that because the sports needed him at the top of his game again. It's more interesting. It's more exciting. And the, and the, the newspaper column inches are thicker when Mark Marquez does well. And the sport needs some of that right now. Oh, by the way, we've actually got five more teams to cover. Sorry about that. Um, next up 
is the Aprilia factory team. Because if anyone knows, we're going in reverse championship order from 2023. We're only halfway through. Aprilia Damn, it's is crazy like- that Repsol Honda was this early, but yes, Aprilia. Yes. Alicia Spargo, Maverick Vinales. No change here. The bike mm-hmm. has a diffuser. There's weird vibes coming out of Noali's camp heading into 2024. On the one hand, you have the expansion and excitement from the satellite team track house. On the other, the inevitable realization that 2023 was a mitts bag. Yes, you doubled your win count from 2022, and Maverick Vinales finally came good and showed some of that Yamaha pace, but you were overtaken by KTM as a manufacturer, even though you passed Yamaha. The bike also has a diffuser. This needs to be the season that Aprilia needs to push for at least second overall, and backing up Trackhouse with factory gear should help raise their floors. There's questions about the riders, too, who were both free agents at the end of 2024. Espargaro has teased retirement, but may stick around a little longer, and Maverick could still be courted over his potential that he showed in the latter half of the 20 teens. It's a lot of moving parts and a lot of questions that Aprilia still needs to figure out. Like, if you want to keep the, the blown diffuser on the bike or not. <laughs> you can't see it here, but Cam Buckley has is, is thrown his hands to the ceiling, pondering the meaning of life uh, over the fact that the Aprilia has a blown diffuser on dude, it. Dude, yeah, we don't it, it doesn't just have a diffuser. It has an exhaust blown diffuser. Somewhere Adrian <laughs> Newey has the most shit eating of grins as That's he cooks up right another there. monster. <laughs> um, yes, if you wanted an emblem, Ducati might have started the Arrow Wars, but Aprilia is trying to end them. Um, bigger ground effect bulges on the bike, bigger wings, fork wings, and an exhaust blown diffuser under the rear fender what the hell this is my boomer take like uh, uh, lately for moto gp people it's just like oh i miss when teams painted the cars and yada 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 my boomer take is that motorcycles should just look like motorcycles they should be smooth shapes they should not have these ridiculous wings this is my boomer take and i'm sticking with it I agree. The, the, seeing the Aprilia and having their guys explain on MotoGP social media what an aero rake is, as if F1 hasn't had them for 40 years yeah, an already. Enormous, uh, an or- enormous aero rake hanging off the back of the bike like a bush. I, I, I just... I, I, look, I'm going to sound old when I say this in my 31 years of life, but my God, I, I miss when bikes look like bikes. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be that nice. I, I I I miss these days, but look, I too. this is a like a, like the next two teams on this list for me because we're getting to KTM next after this. These are what I like to call teams at a crossroads. There's a this is like a pretty is in an interesting place from a factory standpoint right now. Dre, I don't think they've been they're not at the crossroads. They've been just been parked up at the gas station at that intersection and have no intention of leaving anytime soon. No, yeah, I mean this this team Hammond, like jump jump calls. Um. <laughs> oh, oh god, <laughs> like this team, you know, we forget it is such a different Aprilia to the days where they were run by Grassini, mm. um, and Aprilia effectively walked cold and alone into this MotoGP world with effectively a warmed over World Superbike it less was, than a decade yeah. ago, um. And since a deep clean sheet redesign of the bike in 21, their fortunes have completely changed. And 
you could argue now they are playing with arrow that is beyond anyone else on the grid. Uh, they yeah. and KTM as they try to dig into their bag of tricks to fight the all conquering and all strong Ducati, which is far more than simply just its aerodynamics. The Ducati, Indeed. you need a true X factor to overtake it. And well, the bike has a diffuser. The bike has an exhaust blown diffuser and has two damn fine riders riding it because Alicia Spargaro just seems to get better with age. He is the only man left on this grid who has ridden a 800cc prototype, the last of which being in 2012. Um, which is weird to say. If, if he makes it through the whole season clean, he will be third all-time on the MotoGP appearances. That's list. not real. That's not real. That, that is real. He is oh. a, a true a true veteran of the sport, and yet... He, he's, he's in the 300 Star Club, RJ. That doesn't feel real. For a guy that like Trey, for a guy who was, you know, it, po as his Suzuki tenure was coming to a close, we were wondering if he was ever going to, you know, if he was just going to fade into into the background. And yet, these last couple years, he has led the Aprilia surge to the front. He, he has he's won been, races he's been with them. He's been he has been objectively brilliant for the last three years and spearheading Aprilia into the genuine competing team that it is today. He deserves a huge amount of credit for that because I I made a video about it in my in my old video editing days, the Dre Brief series on the Motorsport 101 YouTube channel. And I talked about it in detail that Alasia Spargaro was everything great about this era of MotoGP because he was an open class guy who was the shot it was the shining star of the open class era of MotoGP, got a factory gig, had a setback because Maverick Vinales rolled into town, um, lost his gig and had to dig a prettier out of a grave to get it to where it is today. Also, by the way, in case you're curious, there's only eight members of that 300 appearance club that I mentioned across the three classes that we know and love today. Those those eight members are Danny Pedrosa, 306, Jorge Lorenzo. Ironically, the exact same number, 306, between the two um, arch nemesis of the of the of the late 2000s. Um, Thomas Lutti, 323. Alicia Spagro currently on 325. Um, Simone Corsi, who did 20 years in Grand Prix motorcycle racing, on um, 326. Loris Caparossi's 332, Andrea Levitzi Ozo's 348, and of course, Valentino Rossi's 435 across his 25-year career. Um, so yeah, if Alexis Spagaro has a relatively clean season and doesn't have a catastrophic injury of some kind, God forbid, he will be third on the all-time appearances list. Which is wild, given that Alicia is still technically only 35 in, in July. This he's is still, got, he's season. still got time if he wants it, and if he if remains he wants... competitive. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's weird because he was teasing retirement last year, but he's kind of walked it back a little bit because he's got new friends. He's very close with Maverick. It's, it's, a, it's a proper family unit now in that Noel faction, which is weird to say about Maverick Vinales, but here we are. He's also very close with Jorge Martin and Fermin Aldeguer, and he likes the fact that he's found some friends in the paddock he can hang around with beyond racing, and it's apparently it's made him happier, which is nice, I guess. It's wholesome, in a sense, but Elish might not retire after all, which is going to be even to see, to see what he does, because if Fabio does leave Yamaha, I think these are the favorites to sign him. 
Yeah. And ironically, I mean, I suppose the question mark is next to it because throughout the Sepang test, actually, Maverick struggled quite a lot on this new 2024 Aprilia prototype. Alesh was very um, quick. And Alesh was bad fast. And really, their big, uh, their big sticking point right now is that they were testing on the 2023 engine. We're awaiting the 2024 engine for um, basically further use. And they were very, very quick everywhere but the straights. Mm-hmm. And the straights are where Ducati remains an absolute wrecking crew. From what I've been told, they severely lack mid-range torque. So it's yeah, that, it's that, sort that of... middle of the straight as they're running up through the gears. Yeah, that they third just fourth. get eaten alive. Yeah, it's that third fourth around 150 mile an hour kind of zone where they're really struggling. That's um, that highway pole kind of shit right there. I, I just I, want, I, I wonder where they go from here because it feels like it feels like they're doing everything right with the bike and they're doing everything right with the rider lineup because this is an excellent rider lineup. I think top to bottom, I think only second to Yamaha's right now. Agreed. Agreed. Right um, because I, I just think there's a lot of question marks over Bastianini right now because of the injuries from last year uh, mm. at the factory Duke team. But as they remain so far down on engine power, they need that last step. Like they're right there behind Ducati, but they can't get over the hump. And that's been the last two years. When they try, when they try a moonshot with the bike, sometimes it gets them a little closer. And then other times they fall back a bit and they've got to get that floor up. Cause last year the floor was a far cry from the excellent consistency that kept Alesh in the 2022 fight. Yeah. Nothing else. We're far from the days where like mo upper mid upper upper tier Moto two prospects are like turning them down saying, I don't want to make my debut with this team. Yeah. We're far from the days of them being the worst entity in Moto GP to the point where they were a factory team fighting with claiming rule teams. Yeah, yeah, I don't want that. Yeah, it's better when we're disappointed that they aren't like gunning for championships on a consistent basis with the resources that they have. Yeah, like it's it's it, it's great to see them up here. But I am curious, is it going to be a case of stick or twist for Aprilia? Because if the opportunity to get Fabio Cotteraro is there, I'd be very tempted. Everyone should try. Everyone on the grid should go yes. for Fabio Quartararo. Agreed. It's Fabio Quartararo. The problem is, is that are you going to sacrifice Maverick Vinales in order to do it? That's a genuinely tough I, question. I think that's up to Maverick this year. Maverick because, like, needs to Alesh, give them a reason not to Alesh drop off old. the wagon. Alesh is great, but Alesh is old. He should be the guy on paper that you're wanting to move on out of this team. And then but ooh, team. I mean, it seems like he doesn't want to retire though. That's the thing. So then it becomes but he's like, still performing. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's, been a, he's, he's, he's a top five rider on the grid right now. That's the problem. Like I got a feeling this is going to end up a lot like Sebastian Vettel in his final year at Aston Martin. It's going to be make a decision on your future or we're going to have to make it for you. And that's, seemingly what this may end up becoming because if i'm aprilia 
I'm not sure which rider I'd like to cut bait with if Fabio was on the table. That's a really tough decision. Um, and it might just come down to an age argument because, like I said, Aleish is 35 in July. But Aleish is still riding at an elite level. So it's 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 really, really tricky. Speaking of tricky rider situations, KTM, and this time it's the factory team, the Red Bull factory KTM team. This bike has a four-element rear wing and two front wings. Oh. <laughs> Dude. It's a weird time. Number 33, Brad Binder, yeah. who was fourth in the championship last year. And number 43, you know him, you love him, Jack Ass himself, Jack Miller, who was 11th last year. Uh, one step forward, another step back for the Austrian factory. On the one hand, Brad Binder had his best season yet in MotoGP and was rewarded with another three-year extension. On the other, winless on the year in Grand Prix and a distant second to Ducati, who beat them nearly two to one last year. Brad is rightly still their lead man, but he's now on a two and a half year dry spell in GP form. When when it mattered most last season, he made mistakes that cost him valuable points. And Jack Miller was trying to ride himself out of a job at times last year. This is a team that's made no secret of flashing the cash to try and get up the field and have been radical in making big moves to try and make that happen. This needs to be the year KTM looked like a serious contender rather than being a flash in the pan. And if you're Jack Miller, you need to justify your move. Or Pedro Acosta, or maybe even Mark Marquez might be coming for your job. Think about how crazy this would have sounded like a few years ago to say that, like, yeah, KTM is a viable contender to sign Mark Marquez when when KTM was properly bringing up the rear just about a decade ago. I mean, I feel like we could copy and paste the last three season previews of KTM and MotoGP and place it here. They're not. A t- they have been at the crossroads for, like I said, they they have been at the gas station shopping for drinks and snacks way, way too long at this point. KTM, as with last year, as with the previous year and the year before that, they remain blowing very hot and very cold. Basically transplant a lot of what I said about gas gas here. When KTM are on form, with seemingly no rhyme or reason to it, they have a bike that can fight the Ducati. Mm-hmm. Genuinely. Um, they have a bike that is very quick in a straight line. They often top the speed traps here. They are in collaboration with this, uh, this Formula One team, uh, Oracle Red Bull. Oh, Red Bull. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. Aerodynamics. Some I heard they're doing team. okay in the four-wheeled world. I think they had a pretty good year last year. Who's mm. to say? But it always, always comes up a little bit short when KTM ceiling is a bar fight with Peko Banyaya and the floor is a bar fight with the Repsol Hondas. It's weird with KTM. Because like I said, and there's Brad- no pattern to it. The track no. doesn't seem to matter. The conditions don't seem to matter. Sometimes they will show up and they just cannot get the bike to cooperate. 
Um, it's, it's really weird. It, 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 it just there's no rhyme or reason. Odd. There's no pattern of behavior. With Aprilia, you know they perform best on low grip tracks. That's generally where they've won their races in the last two years or so. With KTM, there's no pattern to it. It just either happens or it doesn't happen. And it's incredibly weird that that KTM still hasn't got this figured out on a week to week on a track to track basis yet. It almost seems like it's set up dependent as to whether they're good it, or not. It's on very a race weird. This bike, though, is quite a different proposition as they have gone all in. They are a carbon fiber bike now. We have full yes. carbon fiber chassis. The promise of the Desmo Sedici about a decade and some change ago has now been fulfilled, where they now have a hybrid carbon fiber alloy chassis across all of their bikes if their riders want it. Coupled to full-blown Formula One-style multi-element rear wings, and front wings ahead of slot gaps on their fenders ahead of fork wings underneath fairing wings alongside winged ground effect pods on their fairings Please. what the fuck are we doing here um look here's what i'll say <laughs> brad binder was stretched to his limits last year as a lead rider like there was a couple of races last year like Haref and Bumiram, where he was right there challenging for the win. Assen was another one as well, where he's right there challenging for the win, and that's as much as you can reasonably ask of Binder, which, you know, at his best, he is still an excellent, excellent rider he when he wants to be. He was best non-duck last year. Yeah, comfortably the best mile, By an order of magnitude. Yeah, and by he, a good hundred points. <laughs> yeah, and, and Dre, there was points last year, I mean... I say fighting the Ducatis on a, at the ceiling relatively because you could see what Brad Bender was having to do to the bike to make it do that. Um, there were points last year where it, he was in dogfights with Pecco and Martin where he was visibly, com visibly at 12 tenths, visibly over the limit. And there were times where that bit him. He ran wide a couple of occasions, lost a couple positions on it. There limits. was times where he just straight up impaled people on the front of his KTM. Mm -hmm. um, he was and he's typically quite a high floor guy. There was a few times last year where he just the threw it all out. away. Yeah, the floor yeah. fell out from underneath him a few times last year. And yeah, this last win was the crazy epic Styria flag to flag in 2021. It, he's, a he's, genuine get, act of God. If, if if Red Bull gets to KTM in the middle of the season, it'll be three years since, since Binder's last win, which is wild for a rider as good as he is. Like, Dude. He's I think got to stop winning I, I think it's very emblematic of KTM. Is, Who's it's, on the hotter seat, though? Him or, him or Jack? Jack. Jack, comfortably. Jack. Jack Miller was one of the worst riders in the sport last year. Comfortably. Jack Miller had a like, and okay. To be fair, he was becoming a dad, and that probably had something to do with it. His mind was probably elsewhere for understandable reasons. But there was moments in the middle of last season where Miller, like, he was trying to ride out of a job. And Dre, you took a man who has never seen a rear tire that he hasn't destroyed, <laughs> and you put him on the bike with chronic tire wear issues. 
and and sideways and can go sideways in the hands of the right people. Um, yeah, what did you think was going to happen here? Um, it's it's like it's the story of the scorpion and the frog all over again. It's like I promise, I'm across the river, I won't sting you. And then Jack Miller stings. Like, what can I say? I'm a scorpion. Um, and that's what Jack Miller was last year. And look, we all love he's a Jack scorpion. Miller. He's a scorpion king. Terramana tequila. <laughs> no no we're not doing that no, the united like, football league baby oh, oh no. dear but uh, no jack miller he's riding for his job this year i i have without, no with with this volatile silly season coming up without question there are he might like, have one of the hottest seats in the sport he he is he is the bottom of where these of where silly seasons are going to open up because every big name is a free agent. This is a contract cycle year, 2024. A lot of the fuel are going to be free agents. Mark Marquez is going to be a free agent. Fabio Quattararo, Francesco Bagnaia, Anea Bastianini, Jorge Martin, Alicia Spagaro, Maverick Vinales. Jack Miller's seat is going to be a highly lucrative one at the end of this season they might just bump up pedro acosta if he's good on the tech free that could that's a very real possibility I felt, I put, he looked I, like I, it he looked I, like I looked, it in Sepang. I, I think on paper he's that's the favorite in my opinion i think they'll just they'll just bump acosta up to avoid the trouble and just tell jack thanks for the memories off you go so miller is riding for his job in my opinion this year so he needs he to do something. For his place in a sport because it feels like I think he if is. He loses, if he loses this, like I don't know where else for him to go. It's like you better start learning world superbike. It, it's hard because he was Jack Miller is not slow. That no, has been the all. least of his problems. It's the fact that on every bike he's ever been on, he just burns up the rear tires, um, and. That was already prevalent enough on a Ducati that is always superb in working and utilizing its rear tire. You put him on the KTM, a bike that slides, a bike that tends to chew up its tires, and his it was a disaster last year. Um, you know, he's been on enough bikes, he's been in enough teams in the sport to think this problem is, pr- I don't think it's getting better. I don't think that that's going to change because this is who he is as a rider. And if you are a Yamaha looking to fill the seat of Fabio Lee, as if you are KTM, who now have a rider dilemma with a superstar, a a superstar in the making with Pedro, with the opportunity, if that doesn't work out to sign Mark, in the pre in the the silly season next year, Red Bull would open the checkbook with a blank check and say, "Do what you need write to do to get Marcus here. Write what the number you want, and we will we will pay it out." I just don't know what team in MotoGP is looking for a Jack Miller when there is enough names that are going to be moving hands potentially next year, and you've got M two Moto two alum coming up probably. Furman out again might be the number one name on the board for Moto Two next year. Quite likely, the way Whoever the way current him, form is going. If if he can maintain what he finished last year with, going to be a start. Going to be he is going to be in demand for twenty twenty five. Yeah, his manager is not going to have to like hit him with the hey you up just to get like a, a ride that's on the decline. There will right. be just like hitting his manager up like bro you up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, KTM. good news. Yeah. 
Yeah, KTM's going to be riding headlong into another rider storm at the end of the year. Brad Binder is a secure part of their future. They've been looking for a number two rider for quite some time. Um, and this might be the year they have to make another move to make that happen. And I'm going to be very intrigued to see if Miller can ride himself into or out of employment. It's going to be into... I, th I think anything lower than top eight. And I think KTM is going to be looking for another rider. I think, I think he needs a top eight at the minimum to realistically think about that. Like, he needs to be he, mingling with Dukes. <laughs> he has to be he has to be ahead of Acosta as well. Because I think Agreed. Acosta's too he's gonna be too good too quickly to leave on that gas gas for far for yeah. too long. Pit Pit Bearer has no problem making bold moves if he if he wants to make his team a success. He's had no yeah. issue doing that. He will cut bait with you quick if it comes down to it. Into the Ducati section for the top hey, three teams. Everybody is on a Ducati. God, I love it when all the power of MotoGP is concentrated on one bike. Indeed, isn't it fun? And next up, the new Peratima in the uh, Petramina Enduro. Petramina. Petramina. Uh, the Petramina Enduro uh, VR46 MotoGP team. Number 72, Marco Bezzecchi keeps his spot. It was third in the championship last year. And they've now been joined by number 49, Fabio Di Giantonio, who was 12th in the championship last year. This feels like a prove-it year for the VR46 team. They rejected the chance of being a Yamaha customer to stay on Dukes. Good move, even if they're now, covered in, even if they're now covered in highlighter fluid. Bez was the biggest surprise of, of 2023, and when he was on it, he was untouchable in all three of his wins. But he likely needs to double that tally to take that next step and truly challenge for the title. Has he got that in him? Across the garage, Digia was a revelation in the back half of last season, with Crucci, Frankie Karczewski unlocking some incredible pace with a man who very nearly lost his job. But he doesn't have Frankie in his camp anymore and likely needs to prove it wasn't just a fluke. Is Uccio's team for real, and will it give the factory team another bloody nose? Hashtag, why not Bez? The second guy. Why not Bez? Why well not Bez? Well, um, unfortunately, these bikes were caught following Jeremy Clarkson's sports train, so the front of them is now yellow. Oh, yeah, bit of piss. Um, and they now get the Exalted, much like Cressini, the Exalted GP23. But this is a prove-it year, it feels like. Uh, Marco Bezzecchi was him in the first half of last season, but... Incredible. He, he was phenomenally good. Um just frankly blew the wings off of the field in all three of his wins. But when the ceiling wasn't that high, the floor sometimes dropped out. Unfortunately, when he hit rock bottom, broke his collarbone and spent most of the year riding hurt. That's not something you can really ride through on one of these bikes. No. Um, so really his objective stay healthy. in the, in the, the clear now stay healthy and go into this season with a, a blank sheet and stay go and fast. prove that last year was not a fluke because um, if he can reproduce what he did last year, he's going to give some factory teams a headache when it comes to riders. And here's the thing with Bez about the whole prove it thing. Let's not forget Bez turned down a GP 24 to stay with this team. Pramac offered him a job. 
on on that GP24 on up-to-date machinery for this year, Bez turned it down to stay with this crew. I hope that was the right decision because that's a bold move. Like, I, I, I respect the size of uh, Marco, Marco, inverted commas, Simoncelli Bezecchi for the size of his cojones for that one because I know most people would jump at the chance to ride a GP24. More on that in about 15 minutes. But Bez was him. He, he's the, there was a reason why he won the Motorsport 101 Breakout Star of the Year award last year. Um, he fully deserved it. When he won, he dominated. He dominated Le Mans, he dominated Argentina, and he dominated in India. When he's on it, he is untouchable. Like, And I can't say that about anybody else in this sport besides maybe two people. And that's Banyaya and Martin right now. He's in that bracket when he's oh, at his very best. I just need to see more. I need to see five or six more rounds like that this year. And if he does, he'll be he'll be in the mix for the championship. No question. He's got a I hell just need of a machine more. to try and do it on. Yeah, he's got a great bike to do it. Maybe he saw something in the 23 that he thought, maybe I like this. But he's got Fabio DG Antonio alongside him in the garage this year. And again, we said it earlier on, Sepang test. DG Antonio was fast, very fast. Like, it's amazing to think what could have been if he'd started, if he didn't start off his MotoGP career so terribly. It looks like he's a rider of confidence. And I think he found some confidence with Frankie towards the end of last season. And even though he's not there anymore in the VR46 camp, I do believe he's got Valentino Rossi's data engineer in his camp. Good person to have. Um, mm. you know, does, does, doesn't hurt um, to, have that in, to have that in your back pocket. Um, and again, I think over 10 laps, over, over sprint race distance, I think he had the fastest overall average from Peter McLaren's numbers from Crash.net. So DG Antonio I mean, was lightning fast. Low 57s. I, low 57s is a race pace. Yeah. Remember, the, the track record before this test was a low 57. Now we're 57 doing that as a race pace. Mm -hmm. So I think he genuinely has unlocked how to ride one of these big, bad motorcycles. Um, you know, in that, that end of the season, you know, just flurry of results that he achieved. Um, and now he comes into a team where he, he gets a fresh start. Walking in here with confidence, but again, he's got to prove it. He's got to prove that the end of last year was more than just a, a very talented crew chief unlocking him. He's got to maintain it across this year and up against someone in Bez who, as you mentioned, Dre, untouchable on his day. Yeah. Um, if if nothing else, what v I think VR46 really needs is two riders who can compete on a given weekend. Because last year we saw a lot of it was either Bez or Marini. Agreed. Almost never the two of them. Yeah, they were only in the sprints did they really have two bullets in the chamber for most of the season. Because Marini was a very good sprinter, not so much in Grand Prix trim. Um, and if they can get Fabio cooking alongside Bez, this could be the best team in MotoGP. You weren't wrong when you said this is like a white bike just splashed in high water fluid. 
It I is. told you. Yeah, it, 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 it's 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 like somebody broke open one of those old '90s highlighter pens over the front of the bike, and it's just been stained. And that's what it feels like. It's it's a very bold livery. I I, I kind of respect the fact they tried something so radically different. But you, you know what not, it is? It, it's like they whatever Nike uses to color their fabrics, the vault color. It's like they dip the yes. front of the bike in that. Just 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 just, just the front, just the front. Um, <laughs> and it's just faded into white on the way back. It's a very weird livery, but it's a very very. I think this could be a very strong team on paper. I think they could challenge for the team's title. The GP twenty three is competitive. I think that I, I think also it's think that, like, Dre, thank God they did not take the Yamaha check. Oh, Jesus. Oh, so, someone else has I got it. Care. Someone else has got to take care. that body blow. I don't care how much of a brand ambassador Valentino is for Yamaha. You don't have to do this, buddy. You don't have to do this. And you have the equal best bike in the field right now. Chances are, if as we start this season, the 23 is probably going to be a little better than the 24 on mm-hmm. recent form before Ducati really unlocks it. Right. You get a chance hey. to use that. And here comes the big factory boys, the Ducati Lenovo team, the factory Ducati with the number one plate. The reigning two-time champion of the world, Francesco Bagnaia. And alongside him, the number 23, Enea Bastianini, who was 15th in the championship last season. But for a lot of it. So, yeah. Speaking, speaking of, of proving it. Speaking of proving it. <laughs> Ducati Factory might just have similar concerns when it comes to their riders. We know they're the kingpins of the sport right now. But they're gambling on their GP24 being more, quote-unquote, radical than similar years past. They don't want Mark Marquez as a threat, so this bike somehow needs to be even quicker than in years past. Francesco Bagnaia is the two-time reigning champion of the world, but now has to deal with his greatest challenge yet, a healthy Mark Marquez on his own championship-winning bike. If he can triumph over him and three-peat, we can start talking about an all-timer resume. But across the garage, Enea Bassinini needs to find his 2022 form again, one where he himself was one of Banyaya's early challengers. And let's be real, last year really wasn't his fault. Mm, With Martin, Zeki, and Marquez all having licenses to impress on the same machinery, Bastianini is the job on the chopping block if he doesn't deliver. I want to see a full healthy season of Anaya Bastianini, or at least like, just give me like enough to like, you know, what's the rate to like, qual- what's the rate of games that you have to play to like qualify for like awards in the NBA? 65. Like, uh, yeah, 65 okay, so games. Give me like, give me like at least like, you know, Maybe you miss a round due to like a free injury. Hopefully that's like the worst that it gets. I want to see him fully healthy and really see what we got. Because other than that one win. We were robbed in sprint one last year of Bastianini's season. Luca Marini tucks the front collapses into Bastini on the outside of the hairpin at turn five of Portimao and Banyaya missed the first five Grand Prix of the season. He Bastini. missed nine Bastini, sorry, yeah. And he, he missed nine races overall last year because he was 
to be honest, probably part, at least partly responsible for the turn one Catalina plow job that took out five Dukes at once. Um, it was uh, it, it was a weird time to be alive last year, let me tell you. But yeah, talking about Anaya Bastianini, he was incredible in 2022 that was his breakout season that was he won four times he was giving man a bloody nose he yeah. was he there was four or five rounds last year where bastianini was punching with the guy that would go on to win the world championship that year and beating him on occasion as well bastianini at his very best can beat anyone in the world today fact we saw it yeah he has a genuine x factor yeah he is genuinely got an X factor in him that most riders do not have. He can manage his tires better than anyone in MotoGP when he's at his very best. The problem is last year was such an outlier that you almost kind of have to throw it in the bin and not count it. Now I'm a bit nervous because the Ducati camp are adamant he's back to his best. He was excellent in Sepang in the 56s in testing, very, very fast. But I've always said, Bastianini has always gone well at Sepang. He won there last year. He was second the year before. Um, he loves Sepang. He, he he loves that track. He's he's openly admitted it's his favorite track on the calendar. He loves this, the, the flowing nature of it. Um, I need to see more of a sample size of Bastianini. I'd, I'd like, as you said, RJ, I'd like to see him get maybe 18, 19 rounds in next year out of 21 and just see what he's got across the board with a full off season under his ha- under his belt and some actual time on a GP24 and just see what he's got. Because if he's good, Ducati's got the best lineup in MotoGP without question. If he's he the question mark and it's his health that's the question mark. If he doesn't, then he's out of a job at the end of this year. And that sucks. I, I know how Ducati get down. They will replace him because we'll get to Pramac in a there minute. There was already but- discussion that they were going to last year when, you know, the thoughts were coming out that, oh, if Martin wins, Bastianini's out of a job. Yeah, and there's already, I mean, Jorge Martin in the offseason made it perfectly clear I want the factory seat next year, dot, 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 or else, basically. Well, somebody else will. Yeah, so mm. it's all on Bastianini. Look, I, I can make one bankable statement about MotoGP in 2024. Francesco Bagnaia will win multiple Grand Prix. That is the coldest take maybe in the history of this podcast. Bang! Look at me. Look, listen, listen to the Colin Cowherd podcast every week. No, I'm joking. Um, no. Look, now you Bagnia- need to throw in like seven more divorce references in there before we can get to coward levels. But amazingly, yeah. you can have like a sensible take on Taylor Swift mania and football games. I don't get it. Look, yeah, Francesca Bagnaia is like, of man. dude, he's realized all the potential that we thought he would have in him like a couple years ago. When when very few people were willing to listen, Cam Buckley was speaking the good word about Paco Bagnaia. And now he's realized that one more race than anybody else. He won his second straight title. It, it, he's got fewer cases of the dropsies. I mean, but what, he's not free is... of the dropsies yet. Mm. And this, I this do defi- wonder. Yeah. You're gone, gone. He first. I do wonder. This year, everyone's he has got the biggest target in the sport on his back. Besides maybe Yamaha's engine guy. Um, it's it's a fully healthy grid again. 
He's got Mark Marquez on his championship winning bike of last year. And touch wood, he's got a healthy Enea Bastianini on the same bike as him, as well as Jorge Martin on the same bike as Jorge him. Martin, who, if he wants to be something in this sport, as far as statistics, he better have learned from his late season antics last year. What I will say and, is that this is, this is the toughest yeah. field that Banyaya has ever faced. No, yeah. And the thing is as well, I love Banyaya. I've given him the benefit of the doubt more often than not over the last three years. He left points on the table in both his championship campaigns. An a enormous amount of points he in both is years. Be- and- like, he's beatable over a full season. That's There's no argument in my mind you can, can convince me otherwise. Kevin, I know you're listening to this podcast. I know you're listening, and I'll tell you right now, Banyaya is vulnerable. There is no doubt in my mind about that. I, I think it's a question of getting the floor up in sprints a little bit because he was devastating in race trim basically all season last year. But that was his but, game plan. He was sacrificing sprints plan. to learn the setups. <laughs> but what happens if one of the others, whether it's Mark, whether it's Martin, starts rolling the points in both? He can't sacrifice one for the other. Like You can do that to an extent, but Martin was everything he was with more dropsies last year. Yeah. You know, and, more fire and, in the head. And, and Martin won nine sprints last year. <laughs> but Martin left even more points on the table. And ultimately, that's why he it, it was a question of who left less on the table rather than who really kill shot the other down yeah. the stretch. Remember, remember, I, with, remember the podium stat from last season? Martin yeah. had eight. Banyaya had 15. And that's what won Banyaya the title. Without question. But at some point. At some point, someone is going to put together a season on one of these fine GP Desmo Sedicis where you have too much of the grid and too much quality on these bikes. Eventually, someone's going to put together a season where it's a ton of sprint points and a ton of Grand Prix points. That might be Peko this year. Yeah, and but if very it's well not, be. he's under threat. 100%. If it's not, he whoever doesn't is under major threat. And like I said, there's going to be a queue for Bastianini's seat if he is vulnerable. And if he has another poor season, there, like Martin has basically already given Ducati an ultimatum, sign me or I'll go to Honda. He's got no problems slugging a worse bike. <laughs> Good luck with that, brother. Yeah. And, you know, but the, Ducati's entire game plan for the last three or four years has been build a fleet of young, talented riders, and they probably don't want to make the same mistake KTM did, and that was letting Jorge Martin walk. Um, speaking of which, the team champions of 2023, the first independent team to ever win the team's title in the MotoGP era, Prima Pramac Racing. The number 89 of Jorge Martin in second. Second championship runner-up last year. And then, yes, your eyes are not playing tricks on you. Number 21, Franco Morbidelli in the other seat. He was 13th in the standings last year. Do you ever just fall directly upwards to the moon? Directly upwards. Pure vertical on the axis. And finally, the reigning team champions, Pramac. Yes, they made history as MotoGP's first independent team champs in 2023, but will be mad the biggest prize of all slipped through their fingers. 
And remember, they'll be on the same machines as the factory team. No one will know this better than Jorge Martin, who left, who he knew left a dozen, a few dozens worth of points on the table in a campaign he could have won, arguably should have won. He'll have another go in what seems to be his final come and get me plea to the factory team, having already threatened to walk if he doesn't get his way. Alongside in another big shot, Frankie says relax, but he's already coming off a struggling Yamaha run and is likely to miss the entire preseason after a nasty superbike crash in Portimao's combined world superbike test. Not a good start for a man desperate to prove he still belongs at the highest level. Can Premac really make a bush for the big one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, those who, for those who don't know, to, to fill in the blanks, by the way, Frankie Morbidelli had a nasty high side in Portimao. It was a combined test with the World Superbike Paddock in Portimao. Landed on his head, apparently. Had to be medically assisted to hospital. He's fine, re- relatively speaking, but... He's missed the entire Pramac. Uh, he's missed the entire Sepang test. He's probably going to miss the entire Qatar test as a medical precaution because it was a head injury. Thank God for once the sport is actually looking out for a head injury, I must say, as a side note, by the way. Um, and yeah, Morbidelli will likely only touch a GP24 for the first time when the actual season starts in Qatar on March 8th. It's just, it you know, never ends, man. Like Franco Morbidelli, we love this guy. He is he is the heart, the soul, the conscience of the sport, the conscience that the sport needs. And just a few short years ago, he was good enough. I'd say good enough that if a few things had just broken differently, he would be the 2020 MotoGP World Champion. It didn't break down like that, but we never would have expected that the next. Four years, then it's three to four years of his career would break the way that they did with a knee injury that completely derailed his prospects with a Yamaha bike that was stagnating. He now has this opportunity at a, at a good bike once again, but now he's coming into the year where you potentially worry about him coming off another major injury. You know, this is like that meme that's been going around for the last couple of weeks of uh, ask my landlord to up my rent. I want to embrace the, the grind. <laughs> it, it it just it just never ends with Frankie, and it feels it sucks so bad because he is a huge case of what could have been runner up in the championship in 2020. Really, uh, only a couple of maybe an off a couple races earlier from going into that final race, still in contention, and yet. Injury after injury after injury. That knee fucked him up bad, man. It fucked him up real bad, and he's never been quite the same rider since then. In his to his in his defense, he was a lot closer to Fabio last year than he was, but it wasn't enough to keep his job. But man, did he land up into a GP twenty four? Um, and I, I really Best team do. In the field. I I. I yeah, and you know he's he's taking the Zarco role, the experienced veteran who, you know, might still be able to perform on the highest level with up to date machinery. And I really sincerely hope he does because Franco is one of the good dudes in bike racing, um, who genuinely gives a shit beyond the world of biking. We we all root for him on this show. He's one of the genuinely 
great guys in the sport and i'd love to see him do well i'd love to see him win a race again on that pramac and be up there with the with, with the big boys because he's a great personality he was the hyped prospect remember fabio kind of came out of nowhere one. he was the first real genuine star out of the vr46 academy yeah he was number one he, and it- he was genesis <sighs> He was the first I, guy to prove that this academy was working when he dominated that Moto2 championship and then came in and almost won the big one until Banyar stole his thundery a couple of years later. <laughs> it just feels like this is uh, we are on a train headed to nowhere because he just keeps getting hurt. And I, I don't want to sit like I love watching the man ride a motorcycle, but I don't want to see him shorten his friggin' life over it. Um, I don't. And I just don't see from here having now missed the full test that he needs because this is a brand new bike. Again, a very different prospect in terms of engine character and chassis to the Yamaha. He needed all the time he could get and he just lost all of his time. Agreed. Give it a handful of races. We'll see where we're cooking. We don't we don't have to. We don't have to, like, go through all this, like, existential crisis about Jorge Martin. Jorge Martin. Jorge Martin, why are you the way that you are? The f- bad fast, <laughs> as fast as anyone on his day. A bad case of the late season dropsies away from being world champion. Well, you challenge for one. Learn from your mistakes and go challenge for another. It's that simple. If he cuts out the mistakes, he'll win the cha- he'll win the world championship. Because I think he's going. If he, if he's at his best, he's going to have to force Banyaya to ride to hundred percent of his power. And when Banyaya does that, he makes mistakes. There, we've seen the evidence of it. Even as late as Qatar last season, Fabio Gigi Antonio bullied him into making a mistake that nearly nearly wiped him out. Um, there's, there's an alternate universe where Banyaya tucks the front and Martin takes a genuine title fight to Valencia and maybe Martin doesn't have to ride at 11 out of 10 to try and stay alive. It's 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 a very different proposition that Banyaya tucks the front in, in, in Qatar. Um, but even with the mistake, he still took home a safe 20 points and that's what got him over the line in the end, in my opinion. Now, Martin is fast as hell, but he's almost, it's weird, he's almost putting himself on his own time limit, and I don't think Martin needs to do this. Last year was proof he doesn't need the factory team. (laughs) I I think this is just, I think it's like, just like down the stretch with the title, this is pride talking. This is a lot, I'm, I am above riding for an independent. Well, ultimately... An eight-time world champion just bailed from a factory to go to an independent because it's going to be win. a better fit for him. He wants this to is, win. This and is if you want to win, if you want to win, Jorge, it's on you. You had and, the ball in your court and you dropped it. And Gino Borsoi has is one of the longest veteran team managers in MotoGP. I think he's been in that camp since the very start of Pramac in I think the, the early two thousands. Like there are a few more trustworthy people in bike racing than Borsoi running the Pramac team. I, I he doesn't need the factory to win. He's got the bike. He's got a good. They're set effectively of factor, a factory adjacent team. They in get the, the same support and same mechanical, um, like same mechanical package. 
like just like, just ride the bike and unsettle like seize the means of production from the factory team because as we've seen with Davide Tardozzi and we love <laughs> Davide Tardozzi on this show induce the bullshit if he induced the bullshit Davide can't hide his body language he did not like it last year when Pramac was giving them a bloody nose give them something to worry about you'll get your yeah. factory seat one way or another right this is this is not the Pramac that was just happy to make up the numbers in MotoGP no this is a whole different animal this is the best team in the sport officially like they had They're two good riders last the, year. They were incredible last year. They were cleanly outperforming the factory for most of it. Yeah, they had they had two quality riders. Johan Zarco was your floor guy, and he was top five in the championship last year. That's fine. That's all you need because he was consistent. If okay, maybe he wasn't breakneck fast, but he was consistent. And that and having him fully healthy for a year alongside a fully healthy Jorge Martin won him the team's title. They stayed healthy. They largely kept it clean, and Martin was fast as all hell. Like, I remember, he won nine sprints last year. Over 12 laps, he is the fastest rider on the planet today. Just You know, equivalent, equivalent to Shinji, pilot the Ava. Yes. Martin, ride the fucking bike. Just ride? Because like- last year, <laughs> down the stretch, it seemed like he was focused on every aspect of the title fight, besides riding the damn motorcycle and it right. showed and this like yeah just... you get one of those you might not get you're not always guaranteed a chance at a title you're on the best bike in the field ride the goddamn bike in, in the words of nick saban in regards to the time he had lane kiffin as his offensive coordinator run the ball lane Run the ball. Just ride your race, Jorge, and, and you'll be fine. Just don't do anything stupid. It's been a hard off-season for that. Um, and yeah, if the evidence is anything to be believed, he's still fast as shit. 56-8 in testing, the second fastest lap of the test. Only Banyaya, which by the way, 56-6 from Banyaya in testing, the fastest unofficial lap ever set around Sepang on two wheels. Oh. Yep. Turn turn the old track record into space dust. I, 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 I made this point on Twitter. These MotoGP bikes in a regulation book that has, hasn't changed really in the last 10 years, they are now going 2.5% faster than they were 10 years ago. When Mark Marquez set the pole time at Sepang in 2014 in his record-breaking 12-win season at the time, he did a 59-7. Banyai did a 56-6 in this test. Jesus. They're, they're two and a half percent faster than what they were. That's terrifying. That's spectacular. These on 320 horsepower bikes will weigh 160 kilos and have a contact patch on tires that are size. not fit for purpose. Tires that are not fit for purpose and on the contact patch is about the same size as this Pokemon coin I'm holding up in my hand right now. <laughs> it's it's remarkable, these things, but they also terrify me. Right, a couple of predictions before we get out of town here. First of all, are we going to go for... I'm going to go for non-Jacati wins. How many? Cam says three. I'm going to say two. Mm. I think a pretty will still win a couple. I think, yeah, I think four. 
Ooh. full. Okay. With the length of the calendar, I could see I could see Bender breaking a streak. I could see Cordero by force of will manhandling that more powerful Yamaha to, to wins. And, and like I said, the, the Aprilia's both riders have a decent shot to win a race. Cam's going I for think... the exact prediction of last year because the, the actual number was three last year. I think Aleish I think Aleish will get a pair. And I think Bender will get one. That's fair. That's more than fair. I'm gonna also say over or under six and a half different winners. Over. Uh, over. Under. Ooh. Strategic under. I like that. I went un- I went under last year and I got it. So um, you know, I, I'm gonna say six and a half is a good is a good is a good bar is a is a good marker. Um, I thought we went uh, way over last year. I think yeah, I we think, had eight different we had eight different winners, which I believe was the most we've had in the Premier last season. Most since 2016. Because 2016 had nine. Mm, I think that year, that year was, was a crazy season. That year was nuts. Wow. Um, and finally, your 2024 MotoGP World Champion will be. Okay, y'all. I I know we love Mark Marquez. The point that like we are self aware, making fun of ourselves and being the Mark Marquez love podcast. Do it. You know, do it, you bitch. <laughs> I think do the world do champion you? will be the friends we make along the way, bro. Enough. <laughs> That's what, what I'm saying. Is like we thought Mark Marquez was healthy and he was going to manhandle that Honda to title, and he didn't. Yeah, and then that bike had very, very different plans. I'll, Sweet I'll, Jesus. I'll, I'll, I'll get mine out of the way first. I think Francesco Bagnaia three peats. Mm. All right. And if, if, you're, if, you're a, if, if you're a betting man, if you can get Bagnaia around two to one right now, I think that's a very good price. Please gamble responsibly. I, I like... I, I like the... <laughs> You want to take Martin, don't you? I, I want to take Jorge Martin. I know, take I'm not taking Jorge Martin. Take him. Why not? He, he showed he could do it last year. Why not? Yeah. I think it's a very fair shout. Cam? Come on. Come on. You're taking Marquez, aren't you? You're taking Marquez, aren't you? I am not taking a dominant Mark Marquez. No, I don't think he dominates but the year. I don't think he dominates the year. I think... I think though, I think it. I think it'll take a couple races, but ooh, I want to see what that man is like around Coda on you know this what? thing. You know, I'll pose a bonus question. Sweet Jesus, over or under three point five? Mark Marquez wins. Over. I say under, but his strength will be consistent finishing. I know, I I know, I will. I, you would have to pry me away from the table to bet against them at two of them. Under. I think you'll get two. I think you'll get Kota in the Saxon ring. I'm not sure where gets... the third win's going to come from. I think Martin uh, and Bandai is a bit too strong for me. I think it's going to take Mark about half the year to fully adapt to this bike in race trimming in race conditions. I think, and I think that might be a bit too much for him to overhaul a deficit. That's my gut. Next year, I think we could, I think we could be cooking. Well, but depending think, on what bike is riding next year, very much so. 
So uh, I thought I throw this as a nice spicy All we know is that it won't bonus. be a Yamaha. That's the only thing we do know. It won't be a Yamaha. <laughs> the Moto um, GP season will man. start up on March the 10th in Qatar. We can't wait. It's weird given that we've been down on the sport for a lot of last year, but this this, this feels like a borderline reset. It's kind of weird in a sense. And like it's gonna like where Mark factors into this field is gonna be fascinating to watch. And where does he slot in? Is he a, a Bez? Is he gonna be a Binder? Is he gonna be more a Martin or a Banyaya? Is Banyaya gonna hold on? Will Martin learn from his mistakes? Just how good will a pretty be? And of course, just how wacky will silly season be? I can't wait to find out. We'll be back next week for our Formula One season preview because my god, the last week has been a crock of shit. Let me tell you. Man, the last week has really been the most incredible year of silly season news we've had. Yeah, oh, okay, it's I February. mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we, we talked, uh, one of us talked a lot of smack at the universe about, oh, we got the big scoop out of the way before the recording. And the next week took that personally. Indeed. Um, I can't wait to see how that's going to play out. We'll be back next week for that. Thank you very much for listening. It's been two hours and 15 minutes of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed as much as we have. We're excited. We're hyped. We'll see you on the track in March 10th. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Cam Buckley. And until next time, thank you very much for listening. Sayonara. Take care. Let battle commence. Can we just make it through the year with a full grid at one race? Please. It'd be nice. Please. Happy, happy 75th anniversary to MotoGP.